Fantasy. Class is in session. Hello and welcome to this episode of Marvel School for Dummies. I am your professor, Learen Jass. I am joined, as always, by my co-professor, Jordan Deeb. And our lovely student, Victoria Lyman. And this week's lecture will be on Avengers Infinity War. Release. Jordan got way too excited to say his name. (laughs) This is the third thing today that I'm recording, and I'm also excited to talk about Infinity War. So, like, let's fucking go, guys. (laughs) It's E3 week. I get to talk about Marvel. It's like, this is a a good day for Jordan. Um, Yes, so Avengers Infinity War was released on April 27th, 2018. Directed by the Russo brothers, whose first names I never remember. Joe is one of them. Anthony. The Anthony. Joe and Anthony. Fantastic. You guys could tell me any name and I'd be like, okay. <laughs> we could just give any two basic white guy names. Be like, yeah, those are them. Yeah. I'd be like, yeah, fine. That makes Mark sense. And, that sounds Mark right. and Eric. Yeah. Mark and Eric. Um, Steve and John. <laughs> literally. Uh, it was written by Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely. And it had two taglines. The main one was the entire universe once and for all. And the second one, which I personally think was better, was Destiny Arrives. That's the one I remember. Yeah. That one That one definitely is better than the, yes. the first one. Uh, so, Jordan, I'm, I'm going to say my opinion on this after Jordan does. What is your opinion on this movie? I mean, I fucking love it. And, like, it... The fucking hype that was around this movie, like that build up, that first trailer, that like that eight months of marketing was just so fucking good. And honestly, what I remember the most is like, or what I always say is, I, I would rather go back and rather than watch this movie again, I would love, I would pay money to see video of me watching this movie for the first time. Because <laughs> it was, it was just an experience for everyone. I'm just saying, like, how big it was in the moment, and, like, I had a very good friend there with me, and it was just like, oh, man. Um, so here's the issue <laughs> with me. I saw this movie twice in the span of 72 hours. That was my mistake. Um, that was mistake number one. Yeah. Because the pro- so why that had happened, first, let me explain. Um, I saw opening night with my roommate, in because we were in college uh we were we're still at school and i saw opening night with my roommate because we lived next door to a movie theater so we just like bopped over bought tickets and and went into a showing and it was i liked it it was good um it wasn't i didn't love it partly because we were in the front row and i was just irritated by the fact that we were in the front row of this amc movie theater which as far as movie theaters go amc is a better one to be in the front row but like i still was not thrilled um, but that's what we get for not buying tickets in advance and just deciding 20 minutes before we left a tech rehearsal that we were going to go see the show, see the movie. Honestly, <laughs> I'm surprised you guys found tickets. Do you know how many theaters are in Buffalo and we weren't going to a big AMC and we weren't going to an AMC with IMAX? That's how we got tickets. That's fair. Like everybody was going to see it in IMAX or going to see it at bigger theaters. And we lived next to this tiny AMC. We used to just bop in to see movies all the time. Yeah, no, I actually, the first time I saw it, also went to like a big IMAX AMC. And it was the second time that I went to like a more casual theater for it. Yeah. So then, like, um, two days later, I was in, I was at school for something. I don't know what I was doing. And... Was I working on a show? I might have been working tech on a show. Anyways, my little Taylor hadn't seen the movie yet and wanted to. And 
her one of her friends at the time also hadn't seen the movie yet and jesse my roommate and i just like didn't have anything to do so we were like yeah we'll go see it again like we'll take you like whatever and we went to her we found tickets at a regal we got tickets and we went when we got out of this rehearsal and i sat and watched it the second time and when i made this mistake before with m night Shyamalan movies i should have known better than this because the issue was when you see a movie and then you immediately rewatch it. All you see are the problems. Yeah. All you see is the shit that doesn't make any fucking sense. And my biggest example of this is when I took film in college, I had to watch M. Night Shyamalan's The Village to write a paper on it. So I had to watch it a bunch. You watch that movie once and you're like, oh, this movie's great. Like, this movie's good, cool, whatever. You watch it again and you're like, there are a lot of plot holes here. <laughs> um. <laughs> And so I think this movie is lower on my list because I had an entire viewing where I was just sitting there going, oh, this movie's really long. Oh, this scene doesn't need to be here. Oh, I don't know if I like this. And then by the end of it, it was like, I don't like this movie. <laughs> I'm bored. <laughs> yeah, I think I had about a week and some change between showings. And then I rewatched it like, I don't know, like six months ago. I was like, this movie's not as bad as I remember. I still have issues with some of the editing, but um, for the most part, like now I'm like, it's fine. I think Endgame is better, but it's fine. It's it's the same thing that, Victoria won't get this comparison, but Jordan will. I don't really like Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 1. I don't like build-up movies, I've realized. That's fair. That's, I know you hate yeah. the sixth one, though. What? I know you hate the. I hate print. the sixth one. I hate the sixth one. My bottom yeah. three of the Harry Potter movies are, um, Chamber of Secrets, just because I'm afraid of so much stuff in it, I can't watch it. Uh, Half Blood Prince is just a bad movie, and the first part of Deathly Hallows is just build up, and I don't. It, I don't it is it. slower, and if I was to choose to go back, like I would definitely choose to watch part two versus part one. And I think with this movie, something else that they ran into with me is for so long they hyped up like, "Hey, we're." Um, this isn't part one of two. This is its own standalone they, movie. Yeah, when they and changed I was, the titles. Yeah, and then in that theater, I sat there and went, no, this is a part one of a movie. <laughs> like, this is not a yeah. standalone movie. Oh my god, absolutely not a standalone movie. Because originally, I have this in the fun facts, but I'll say it now. Originally, the it was supposed to be Avengers Infinity War part one and Avengers Infinity War part two. And then they changed it and were like, Infinity War is its own movie and we're going to release the name for the, the untitled Avengers 4 later which, on. Which I, I get it. I get them saying that because I do feel like there is a definitive, like, plot that happens and ends mm -hmm. in in this movie. So, like, I get them saying it's a standalone movie, but, like, it's still building up to it's whatever. Just, it's still you know? just a setup. On yeah. The climax, yeah. Is the climax is how the movie ends. On, on a technical level, the movie doesn't end on a cliffhanger. It ends with our heroes losing, which are technically different. It ends but with obviously what would knowing... be... It ends with what would be, if you watched the two movies back to back, that would be the climax. Thanos yeah. would be yeah. the climax. Yeah. Or like I, the inciting I, incident. Exactly. I, I also think that the name change could have came because this one took so much from the actual comic of, like, the Infinity Gauntlet saga, and then Endgame kind of was a very original story for the most part that took elements from different things. But there's not one series of comics where I could be like, that's what Endgame is based off of. But the only reason you can't say that is because Marvel doesn't own the X-Men. 
That's also true. So they never could have adapted the rest of the Infinity Gauntlet because they didn't own the characters. Like, they couldn't put the big players in. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I feel like they very much are a part one and part two. Um, I, I don't think this movie has its own story. It's set up for what Endgame finishes. Like... Oh, yeah. I think they went, we have a time jump in Endgame, so this is its own movie. And it's like, no. And I also think they just thought Avengers Endgame sounded cool. Yeah. Pro- um, honestly, probably. And you also yeah. get, you know, not not to get too much into future spoilers here, but you get way more of Thanos in here than you do in Endgame. Yeah, so but like, there's like a reason it. for it, too. No, there definitely is, yeah. All right. Um... Any other thoughts before jumping into the plot? Because we are here for a... We I liked it. Ahead of us. I liked it. Oh yeah, Victoria, I'm so sorry. <laughs> what are your initial thoughts? I'm so sorry. Oh my god, it's okay. Thoughts? I liked it. Um, this did. This was... Like, it did go by quicker than I thought it was going to for being two and a half hours. Mm-hmm. Like, I felt like I blinked and I was like, oh, it's over now. <laughs> yeah. Um... It was good, um, and I feel like I finally like action sequences now. <laughs> I will say, the action sequences in this movie show that Marvel listened early on when we all were like, hey, your action sequences are fucking garbage. Want to work on that? Yeah, they, they were good, really good in this. They were a lot cleaner, yeah. I mean, Especially with... Oh, sorry, I was just gonna say, like, especially with, like, now that we have all the heroes in, we get, like, the more, for lack of a better word, like, CGI-ish kind of action sequences of, like, someone flying or someone using magic, but you also do get the very hand-to-hand combat that was, like, prevalent in, like, the Cap movies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I also didn't know if it was just because I've watched, like, so many of these now that I'm like, I know this is coming. I know I have to watch action sequences. <laughs> Stockholm Syndrome for action sequences. <laughs> Honestly, though. <laughs> After this, Victoria just becomes, like, a fucking, like, diehard aficionado. Just, like, everything action is just her favorite. Oh, movie. no, no. I still won't go see, like, a Fast and the Furious or one of those things. And I, I, I feel like... Die Hard is just not a movie Victoria would enjoy. No, I know, I'm just playing. I just, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like that's not, there are some action movies that I feel like Victoria could watch after this and enjoy. Die Hard is not one of them. Um, I barely enjoy Die Hard. Like, it's fine. I think it's overhyped. I think it's uh, kind of like, I've never seen it from what I understand. Just like, oh, this was just good back in the day and you guys liked it because you saw it. But like, And Alan Rickman then died. And so that was a whole thing. And it has come out in recent years that Bruce Willis is the fucking worst. And so like, um, not in like a, to be clear, not in like a... Um, Abuser way. Abusing way, just in that he's very difficult to work with. He's a diva. Yeah. Um... And so people are like, that was the last time he was good, was Die Hard. And it's like, all right, well, let's relax here. Anyways, so let's jump on into the plot. We open with Thanos and his children, Proxima Midnight, Ebony Maw, Corvus Glave, and Cole Obsidian, have attacked Thor's Asgardian ship in search of the Space Stone, which is housed inside the Tesseract that Loki has had stolen just before Asgard's destruction. With Thanos already possessing the Power Stone after decimating Xandar, Thanos' army swiftly defeats the Asgardians. After a futile counterattack from the Hulk, 
which I just like the scene with Loki going, but we have a Hulk. It's like, you think you're clever, you fucking asshole. <laughs> like, you're like, look how funny I am. You don't, you don't know that this has been said to me before, but the audience does. Um, Loki offers the Tesseract to Thanos in exchange for Thor's life, which, great scene. I think it culminates Loki's story, like his entire story arc across all three Thor movies and Avengers 1. Um into just like a really great like it's a really good ending yeah um to have a character that had betrayed thor so many times and for so long uh sacrificing himself for the Um, one thing he's always chased after too yeah yeah and uh yeah so loki offers tesseract to thanos in exchange for thor's life only to be killed himself when thanos anticipates loki's attempt to betray and kill him which like that's the only part where i'm like loki really you okay hello um really a knife you think this tiny knife is gonna do something to this giant man (laughs) this man is a behemoth and you are pulling up a little knife you You are the god of mischief you can change into a horse and this is what you do (laughs) and he 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 just destroyed the hulk yeah he sees that happen and goes but I have a four inch. But I have a tiny knife. <laughs> um, like I'm just like my man. Come on. Even if he doesn't think that's gonna hurt him, he thinks that Thanos isn't gonna see it coming. Yeah, yeah which is my other thing is like, dude, you ain't that slick. Come on. Not too um, many people in the movie do it, but a lot of people think that just because he's strong, Thanos is not smart. Which, to be fair, is not true. No, Thanos is intelligent, incredibly smart. Yeah, um, but. Sorry if you just see me whiffing this little bottle. I have a headache and like... Oh, it's not it's got poppers? Stuff in it. No, it's got stuff in it that like... It's like essential oils that are supposed to make my headache go away. Yeah. Um. Anyways. Uh, moments before Glave, I think is how you pronounce his fucking name, kills him. Heimdall, which Heimdall's death really fucked me up. I'm not going to lie. I was really upset about it. Yeah. Yeah. Heimdall is the true MVP of the MCU in my my mind. Um, I wanted him to just live happily ever after in Asgard and live his dreams, and it's I'm a- very upset that I didn't get that. <laughs> I also don't like, and the movie does this in, uh, with a few of the smaller deaths, which is to its credit in a way to show you that like we're not fucking around. Where they don't focus in on his death, they don't give you a minute to take it in. Like, he yeah, just keeps going. no, Loki dies, Heimdall's dead. That's life. <laughs> Orange juice, toothpaste, that's life. Loki's the orange juice, Heimdall's the toothpaste, Thanos' is life. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he uses the Bifrost to send the Hulk to Earth. Thanos and his children then depart just after Thanos uses the Power Stone to destroy the ship, leaving a mourning Thor behind and stranded in space. Hulk crash lands at the Sanctum, Sanator- San- Sanctum Sanctatorium in New York City and reverts back to Bruce Banner, who informs Stephen Strange and Wong about Thanos' impending arrival. Also Which, great- like, just good, I don't know, good location landing? I don't know, man. <laughs> like- well, the, the idea is that Heimdall, since Heimdall's all-seeing, sent him there. Okay. Yeah. To get Dr. Strange. That Heim- because Heimdall is kind of, like, omnipotent, yeah, he knows the best place to send Bruce is okay. to. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. It made me be like that. Okay, okay. Chance. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I also like that. 
they use that quick moment before Hulk falls on the steps to us because we've only had one movie at this point with Strange and Wong. Yes. He they use that like two seconds beforehand to establish their relationship. Yeah. And like build on it a little bit that like they're buddies and like Wong you know just kinda lets, you know, Strange pay for everything. Well, yeah. And because Strange is a millionaire. Yeah. And Wong has detached himself from money. Yeah. Material items. I love him being like, I, I could go for a tuna melt. Yeah. But also, if somebody, if anyone at any time says to anyone who's lived in, in New York City for any period of time, hey, I'm going to a deli. Do you want something? No one's going to say no. Yeah. yeah. Like, everybody's going to be like, get me so and so. Well, also, I was thinking about it. I was like, man, I want a tuna melt now. <laughs> um, Yeah. I don't like tuna, but, like, I get it. Uh, yeah. Um, Strange and Banner contact Tony Stark and briefly tell him about the Infinity Stones and Thanos. Uh, really quick, I'm just going to hop in there because when I wrote this, I forgot to write about. We see that Pepper and Tony are back together um, and are, you know, engaged and living the dream. Tony's feeling good, not being a hero anymore. Um, he has a dream about them having kids. You know, I like where he goes. I had a dream that you were pregnant. She's like, no, <laughs> no. Yeah. But she also I, still mad. At I him would have informed stuff. you. <laughs> she's mad at him about like the new arc reactor. He's like, but this one's not inside me. It doesn't count. Yeah, which like, no, no, sir. It still counts. And I think. I think there are some things in this movie that this is where Endgame suffers a little bit. Sorry, I have two little fruit flies flying around my screen because of the lights. You mean Infinity um, War? Infinity War, where part of it where it struggles is that scene feels out of place, but we get such a payoff with it in Endgame. Yeah. So, like, it feels like just like, oh, like filler until Endgame, but we'll talk about that when we get there. Um. Yeah. Anyways, so they contact Tony. And tell him about the Infinity Stones and Thanos. Realizing they must find Vision to protect the Mind Stone embedded in his head, Stark realizes he must contact Steve Roger to go find Vision. Which, why does Tony have a flip phone in because 2018? That's all Steve knows how to use, because Steve gives it to him, and that's all Steve knows how to At use. At the end of Civil War, Steve gave Tony... I always took it that, like, oh, it's a burner phone, like it can't be tracked. Like, no, I with... think it's that Steve can't use a smartphone. That's also possible. Oh, that Steve wait. gives Tony this flip phone with the only number saved in it is his number in case he needs him. But I just, I don't know. Like, if if Steve gave him that phone, he could still transfer the number to another phone. Like, but I then, don't know. But then if, if Tony's phone records got subpoenaed, they'd know where Steve was. Exactly. Okay. Steve is still a criminal. Steve is still wanted by the UN. Okay. At, for like war crimes. Okay. So like, it's both a mixture of it's a burner and he can't use anything yeah. else. Um. So uh, that's why. I just imagine Steve going, "Hey, what are the types of phones that like drug dealers use? <laughs> what? How do drug dealers get away with their crimes? Well, you go to Best Buy and you buy a ten dollar phone. Or Walmart. Just go to Walmart, get a track phone. Fucking Price Chopper sells them. Don't ask yeah. me why I know this. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, so fine vision who's gone off the grid with Wanda Maximoff. Just then, Mon Obsidian arrive in New York to seize the time stone from Doctor Strange. Uh, Stark, Strange, Wong, and eventually Peter Parker confront them. Um, I love 
this entire i know some people hate this entire scene with tony and ebony ma i'm fucking obsessed with it it's one of my favorite scenes with him going earth is closed today squidward reference is funny but i really like earth is closed today yeah because i feel like in the future like that's tony's idea at a certain point is that like he's gonna put a guard around the earth that will say closed (laughs) like closed or open Whatever the planet-sized version is of, like, those things that let cars in and out of parking garages, yeah. that's what Tony wants. <laughs> yeah. And he wants to be the parking attendant. Yeah. <laughs> my entire job is I will sit in, in my tower and I will decide who is allowed into Earth. Why is the that image so... Like, I, now I just imagine Tony, like, in space as a parking attendant. And that image is just so funny. Yeah. And he's just, like, he's got, um, I I don't know, like, rock music playing in the background. And he's just, like, nodding his head. And then Thanos comes through and he's like, not today, dude. Not today. Sorry. Close. close. (laughs) Can I see your ID? (laughs) Um, But, yeah, so, uh, and we get Peter shows up. He's on a bus, on a bridge. Don't ask me what bridge. I don't remember. Um, I want to say it's the George Washington, but it I could might, be wrong. It might be. Because it's not the Brooklyn. It's no. All I got for you, it's but I don't know if it's the Tappan Z or the George W. Um, I, I think or, it's definitely not the Tappan Z. Yeah, I think it's the George W. Yeah. Anyways. Um, not that this, this matters. Full of a lot of because this happens in an area all three of us are from. We're going to be referencing real the, places a lot. The amount of times that we just talk about New York geography, about, about the geography of the Marvel. Universe. <laughs> yeah, because I feel like that is a big pet peeve of people who are from downstate New York. Is like this is not what New York City looks like. Like Hollywood has such a view of how the city is laid out that is not realistic. Like when you'll see movies where they go from the fucking Met to the Statue of Liberty as if those are not a hundred blocks away from each other. When when we watched um the to all the boys, the third one. Yeah, and, and we they're were so angry. They go to literally every borough in a day. Yeah, and I was like, this is not how anything works. Like because they tr- literally they go from the Met to the Statue of Liberty to Central Park to the MoMA like they're all to Bro- Times Square like they're all over and it's like no one does this and like also like even if they were going to do all of that like it, the order that they do it in like doesn't make sense either it makes no like sense. it's um, not a strategic order it, oh god it's just and because I'm like you're going from this side back to this side to this. <laughs> And, oh yeah, that's the other thing, is they hop back and forth from the east and west side a lot. Um, And on top of that, if you were going to try and do that in New York, and like hop all over, you need to be real fucking comfortable with the subway. And like, tourists in New York are absolutely not comfortable with the subway. I'm not even that comfortable with the subway. I don't want to see two rats fucking near a homeless guy. Get over it. <laughs> That's not even where I'm going. I just like you cannot be nice. You cannot let people pass you. You just have to force your way through. I used to get back to our hotel after Comic Con. I used my helmet basically as a battering ram. Of like Victoria and I are getting on this fucking train. I don't care. Yes. I hope New York Comic Con is like a thing again this it year. It is. Yeah. In October they're coming back. Um, we can go. I got I got an email the other day that yeah. said fan verification. I was like okay. Yeah. Um, 
You want to go Anyways. to Rocketing Groot? <gasps> which one's which? What, who do you think is Groot in this situation, Victoria, when you're, like, half my size? Yeah, but the Groot gets big, too. Yeah, that's the no, thing. That's you have I'm to decide, saying. are you doing adult Groot or, like, baby Groot? Little Groot. That's what I meant, yeah. Oh, like, I'd be okay. tall Groot. Okay. You want to be tall Groot and then I'm Rocket? Because my automatic assumption was that, yes, Jordan would be tall Groot and then Victoria would be Rocket. But because Jordan is also the dirtier one in the group, I would be like, oh, I could see him being Rocket and and Victoria being baby Groot. That was my thought process. The second one. (laughs) Because I think for better or for worse, Jordan and I think Victoria is like an innocent little bean that we must protect. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of the time, like... For the most part. And then suddenly I make a joke and Victoria threatens, like, my dick. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, two days ago. Oh, yeah. Um. Anyways, so Peter Parker rolls up. We're in the park. Uh, having been traumatized by his defeat at the hand of, hands of Thanos, Banner finds himself unable to transform into the Hulk and help in battle. Ma incapacitates and captures Strange, uh, Stark, and Peter pa- Ooh, I can't talk. Stark and Parker uh, pursue his spaceship off Earth while Wong stays behind to protect the Sanctorium. Banner contacts the rest of the Avengers. Okay, so really quick here. Um, Tony going, Friday, take him home, and the parachute taking Spider-Man away, and there's like a Wilhelm scream of him going, oh man, or like whatever. Yeah. It's hilarious. It's cute. Um... Also, uh, I feel ahead. like we argued about this during Homecoming, but Ned was clutch in this movie. That was a very <laughs> smart idea from Ned to let Peter out of the bus. <laughs> the world's gonna end or something. He makes everyone panic so no one can pay attention to the kid jumping off and hanging okay, off the Okay, but here's, of here's my thing on why I feel like that would not work. There are th- three, three things that feed into why I think Ned yelling we're all gonna die would not work. Avengers 1 has already happened. Well, no, that's not where I'm going to start. Where I'm going to start is teenagers are stupid, and somebody on that bus has headphones in and can't hear a fucking word Ned is saying. Which means then they're not paying attention either, though. But they may still see Peter. If I'm sitting on a bus, I have headphones on, I don't hear Ned yell, but I'm sitting, like, catty-corner to them. But you would have already seen every other kid on the bus jump up onto their knees and start looking out the window. And I don't give a shit. I don't care what you're looking at. You're probably looking at something dumb. Like, I don't give a crap. See, but I, just, you. I just imagined, like, zoning out, though, like, if I have headphones on. And then, like, even if somebody did just go fly out the window, I don't even think I would question it. Number two, New Yorkers notice fucking nothing and don't listen to anything that is being said around them ever. Like, because in New York, it has very much been ingrained in them since the 80s. You do not ask, you do not tell, you do nothing. You go about your business and don't worry about it. We are in high school, Yeah, the no snitching campaign or the no snitching policy in New York is so good. The government has to tell us if you see something, say Say something. something. (laughs) And we didn't. We still don't. Well, now that there have been like more more attacks, I feel like people still like if you see something like if you see abandoned bags, they'll say something. But like for the most part, you know, third, we've all ridden on school buses. 
There is no fucking way he's getting out the window unless he sets off an emergency alarm. Which is going uh, to cause everybody to turn and be like, why is the emergency? Like, who opened an emergency window or opened an emergency door? Yeah, him like, like him hanging on the side of the bus is just unrealistic unless he is now Ant-Man as well. And can, like, shrink himself down, crawl out the window, and then make himself big to hang. Yeah, I was gonna say, him, like, getting out the window doesn't seem very realistic, but it's Bus windows open to this much. yeah. Tom Holland's a skinny kid. His head is not fitting through a gap that big. That's the point. And, like, nothing about his spider abilities make him able to turn himself into a sheet of paper. Um, That's my big issue with it, is that he would have had to push out an emergency window, which people would have noticed. Um, Because it's not like they just, like, go down and then go back up. It's like you push a pane of glass into the street. Like, somebody would have... Kids used to accidentally set them off with their backpacks all the time. Because, like, you're... They had the the big lever, yeah. Or, no, like, the handle, yeah, would catch the lever. And so you'd go to pull your backpack to get off and it would pop the handle up. Um, anywho. I'm just saying it feels unrealistic. (laughs) Um... We're not here for realism, okay? <laughs> in I'm just, but he didn't have to be on a bus. They made that conscious choice. No, so yeah. if you're making the conscious choice that he's on the bus, how he gets off the bus has to be logical. Um, so then we cut to Scotland, Edinburgh to be specific, where Wanda Maximoff and Vision have been hiding. The two are uh, have a very cute romantic moment. That Which made this Vision is wild to me that Vision has like evolved this much that he can like disguise himself to look human oh that's technically a power he's always had we just haven't seen it before (laughs) that threw me off i was like oh okay this is just here (laughs) he can phase like that and like transform himself to appear differently we just haven't seen it before and he doesn't do it a lot in the comics it it overwhelmed me very much. Um, it's kind of just doing it now because he's also a wanted war criminal. Yeah, so like if you can make yourself a human. True. Also, I feel like it's easier to walk down the streets of Edinburgh or with your girlfriend when oh. you're a human, not a cyborg. Well, that was my thought process too. Well, I was like, known, he blends yeah. in now, you know? Then you're like, known as the nice couple down the street and not that one girl and her highly advanced sex robot. However, we jump into the issue I always have with Marvel of does Vision have a penis? If he doesn't, how do they have sex? I don't know. Vision. We're not gonna Victoria, talk about it. When we get to WandaVision, it gets even worse. Oh, I know. I'm not ready. But I also think that you're gonna fucking love WandaVision. Oh, I can't wait. I'm so excited. You're gonna love it until I have several theories about v- uh, uh, Vision and his penis situation. Good lord. Anyways. Um, With diagrams. So, they're t- he does not have diagrams. Um, so, yeah, they're talking about their life and how, how they can be, they wish they could be together and just, like, run off and not report back in. Just go live off the grid by themselves and have a happy life. This is why these two characters are so pure. All they want is just to, like, be live able to in live the country. And be happy. Yeah, and, like, live be happy. In the, live in the country alone. Where nobody can bother them, and they can just chill out hey. and be in love, and like and, I and I, watch I romantic it. comedies together. Yeah, like I get it, you know. <laughs> um. So, uh, they are then ambushed by Proxima Midnight and Glave, or however the fuck you say that one's name. Um, but Steve Rogers, Natasha Romanoff, and Sam Wilson arrive and help fight them off. 
And he's looking fucking hot with that beard. Oh, he looks so good in this movie. He looks so good in this movie. Um, they decide to seek shelter in the Avengers facility in what they call, I mean, I guess the Catskills are upstate New York. Yeah, the Catskills are even north from here. Yeah, I would, yeah, they are upstate New York. Anyways, where they meet James Rhodey, uh, or James Rhode, i.e. Rhodey, um, who is once again mobile due to his bionic leg braces. Vision proposes that Maximoff destroy the stone in his forehead to keep Thanos from retrieving it. Wanda immediately refuses. <laughs> uh, which is fair. Yeah. Um, yeah. However, Rogers suggests that they will travel to the one place that has the technology to safely remove the stone from Vision without killing him. Wakanda. Sorry, I'm knocking everything over. <laughs> okay. Side, side note. Yeah, I love that they showed the locations every time they went somewhere in this movie. It, I would love to re-edit the entire MCU and just put the locations so I'm not confused. Wait, which movie can doesn't I, do that? Because Age of Ultron and Civil War both do it. Can I? Oh, Age of Ultron does not do it. No. Yes, it does. It even gets you the coordinate. They do it when they go to Korea. When did they go to Korea? To get the, the Vision's body. That's in Korea? Yeah, it's in Seoul, and it says Seoul, Korea. Either way, I think Victoria is talking about what, for most Marvel fans, was their least favorite part of this movie, and the Russo brothers were making fun of themselves in this one about it. Uh... Yeah, most people hate hated it. Like I, it was a meme okay. because like everybody was like, okay. "We're aware this is so stupid." No, I needed it because I never know what planet we're on. <laughs> well, so that was the thing with this one is, and I'll get to it in the fun facts. They wanted a lot of the planets to be new, so like they put labels just so that fans would be aware of where we were. Yeah, see, but the, the, so this is the then where I think this would have been helpful specifically Thor Ragnarok when I kept asking you I don't know if where um where Thor landed is the same as where um they're fighting at and you were like yeah that's the same planet and I was like well I didn't know because they didn't tell me but they don't they never leave the planet he lands on the one planet and they never leave well well, he lands on the planet. You see the giant building with the heads on it, and another head being built. But okay, because then, then uh, Tessa Thompson Valkyrie captures him and takes him somewhere, and that could have been another planet for all well, I you knew. You never see them go through space. They don't leave, and then outside the windows, you see all the trash. Okay, that tunnel thing could have been in space for all I knew. I, I will. They usually, if they change planets, tend to show the planet from the outside at first. They tend to establish if we're we're leaving a planet. We my, see space travel to my, establish that we're leaving. My point is, there are too many planets, and I cannot keep track of them. I would just like every movie to tell me ahead of time, this is the planet that you're on. Even if it's not a science fiction movie, just remind me we're on Earth. <laughs> yes, remind me that we're on Earth. <laughs> All right. Anyways, now we jump into what was the most famous scene of this movie because this was the first shot we got of the movie outside of a trailer was this scene with the Guardians. Um, Everybody thought that this was the opening to the movie for a long time because we got this at what, San Diego Comic-Con? Was it San Diego Comic-Con or D23 that summer of our senior year? D23 didn't start dropping Marvel news until recently. 
It was originally they say so it was San Diego Comic Con. It was only showed for a few people, and someone had like poorly videotaped the footage, which I chose not to watch. But I read a description, and they did say, "You see Thor hit the the windshield of the Guardian ship." And what's funny is they never specified his hair length, so I wonder if they did a take with him with long hair. Ragnarok wasn't written yet. That's why. Yeah. So Ragnarok wasn't written yet. Yeah. They legitimately, there were two two scripts that they were writing this during that they weren't sure how things were going to work because Black Panther wasn't out yet and wasn't written yet and Thor Ragnarok wasn't written yet. What about so, Captain Marvel? Because she didn't, didn't she technically film that after filming Endgame? Yes, but they knew already where that was going and that that movie would have no effect on them because it took place during the so, 90s. So she was just appearing in Endgame from wherever and they knew that they weren't going to address it because it would be addressed in her own solo movie. Gotcha. Um, so that was a little less, they knew what was happening with that. With Ragnarok and Black Panther, they didn't know yet. Um, I have fun facts about that later. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, but the first thing we got was the Guardians driving their little ship, all bopping out to music and hearing the distress call and Rocket not wanting to go. And then Thor hitting the windshield. It was like the first clip we got and somebody filmed it. It's like out of their pocket at Senior Comic-Con. Because it was like when we went to the Big Mouth panel where they were like, hey, the people who are in this get to see one episode from the new season. That's what they did. They were like, because you're at this panel. That's how all those things go. They don't let you record anything. And even though I accidentally recorded the entire uh, Free Guy trailer at (laughs) Comic-Con... Victoria and I both accidentally took pictures or videos of stuff we were not supposed to. You can just, okay, to be fair, mine was you just can hear it. I literally put my phone down, like, in my lap and didn't realize that I had the camera open still and hit the record button, so I recorded the whole thing. Sure. (laughs) No, I'm telling you this genuinely happened. I'm, like, embarrassed that it happened. Especially because, Jordan, you have to remember, we thought Free Guys at the time, we thought Free Guy was coming out, like, four months later. I know it's. I can't mm, wait no, it was gonna be o- over half a year later because it was it was set for that that coming summer and uh, it was October. Comic Con yeah. was still. We thought that there was like less time between yeah, that no, trailer yeah. and that panel. And <laughs> I didn't even watch the newest trailer. Like I'm sold on that movie. I'm just gonna go and watch it. Okay, we'll go together, Jordan. Uh, yes, so Thor is rescued by the Guardians of the Galaxy, who had picked up the Asgardian ship's distress call. Thor guessed that Thanos would be after the Reality Stone next, which is in the possession of the Collector in Nowhere. But first, he must retrieve a new weapon capable of killing Thanos from the Dwarvian planet of... I might not pronounce this right. Nita Veeler, I think is how it is pronounced. Um, Let me double check. It's because I'm not going to be able to say it any other way for the rest of the podcast. So, um, where on, where's the only forge that can create such a weapon exists? Thor orders Rocket to take him to Nita Veeler while Peter Quill, Gamora, Drax, and Mantis travel to nowhere to get the reality stone. I like how, um, Peter Quill tries to like make his voice sound like Thor, yeah. and Rocket going. <laughs> Or I guess like you're one sandwich away from being fat. And yeah. I think it's here too when the Thor mentions the the Avengers are like the greatest 
beings on Earth. Earth, 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 Earth Mightiest Heroes, yeah. Yeah, and then, um, oh God, what's her face? Mantis says, like, Kevin Bacon. And I was like, Kevin Bacon is an Avenger in my heart. (laughs) I also just love Thor hyping up his friends. Like, it's so pure. It's cute. This movie is what set in stone for me because after this movie is when I rewatched the Thor movies under like a different like going into them fresh and I was like you know what I love Thor he's like my favorite Avenger I think truly a himbo especially I had to pick a new one because Marvel ruined Hawkeye so badly (laughs) Um, Marvel fucked up Hawkeye so badly that I had to pick a new one um and Black Widow just didn't wasn't given enough for me to really have an opinion on her. Like, yeah. she's fine, but she's just kind of there. Um, anyways. On the way there, Gamora talks to Peter, making him promise to kill her if the situation presents itself. This is also the moment that I re- related to Gamora. <laughs> I was like, oh, Gamora's one of my favorite characters in the MCU, too. She She's you in, in like, a sense. Somebody told me, uh, somebody told me once that I'm a very weird conglomeration of Gamora, Valkyrie, and Jessica Jones, and I have never felt more seen. Nice. <laughs> but if you took all three of those and just put them into one body. Uh, a BuzzFeed quiz also told me that I was a weird mix. Uh, I was a mix of uh, Jessica Jones, Peggy Carter, and um, Nikia, uh, Nikia from Black Panther. I felt that one a little less. I don't feel like I'm like Nakia. Nakia's better than me in every single way. Well, it's a BuzzFeed quiz. Don't take yeah. it too seriously. And just like, I, Nakia's better than me. Don't You don't mean do those that. aren't like real? <laughs> um, <laughs> Unless you take the, the Parks and Rec Marvel one and it tells you that you're Ben Wyatt and Spider-Man, then you say yes. I've taken that one, but I don't remember what my results were. That's the one that I got and I got so excited. <laughs> We'll, we'll, we'll all take them after. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> what I love is on BuzzFeed quizzes across the board, if it's what Marvel character are you, there are only about four female characters that I get. And, like, it's the same four. And I was, like, glad I'm at least consistent. Good. Anyways. um, Yeah. Uh, Peter reluctantly promises that he will kill her if the situation is, if it's necessary, if it's going back to Thanos or dying, that he will kill her. In nowhere, Thanos ambushes the Guardians, having already retrieved the Reality Stone, <laughs> and created an illusion of intact nowhere to trap them. Let me tell you, this scene was really overwhelming. Yeah. <laughs> Can I tell you why? Because after seeing what had happened with Loki and Heimdall, I thought they really just killed off Drax and Mantis without blinking. They just went, fuck it. And I was like, damn, this movie really isn't fucking around. And we didn't know if we were getting Guardians 3 at this point. They yeah. had been, James Gunn had been hinting at the team in Guardians 3 would be different than the teams in Guardians 1 and 2. So, like, we weren't, like, like there were actual stakes for the deaths in this movie. I, I yeah. was going to say, if I didn't know that there was a Guardians 3, I, like, would have thought at this point in time, I would have been like, oh, they're dead. They're yeah. dead. Yeah. And look, I just thought the shapes was that he literally broke their reality. Like, that was holding them together. So I was like, no, it was just an illusion. Yeah, which is fine. It just, which, like, was, like, very startling. Yeah. Yeah, I just also, I was just so surprised. I was like, oh, so he can do that, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the other the other wild thing with um, this movie that set this movie and Endgame apart. We knew contracts were ending, but we didn't know what was going to be in Phase 4 yet. 
we didn't know about a lot of titles yet. They hadn't. We didn't know about Ant Man and the Wasp three, Ant Man three, or Ant Man and the Wasp three, whatever you want to call it. We didn't have that. wasn't confirmed yet. Thor: Love and Thunder wasn't confirmed. Um, like all the fa- the only really Phase four projects we knew were coming were Doctor Strange two and Spider Man three. Those were the only ones we really knew going in. We knew Chris Evans' contract ended with these movies. We knew uh, that Robert Downey Jr.'s contracts had ended before these movies and that he just signed on for the extra two. Um, we knew Chris Hemsworth had ended, like, there were actual stakes for the deaths, which I think was a new experience for a lot of people seeing the movies because, you know... They've, they've that, played it pretty safe so far. Yeah. And it's also... Deaths in comic books and movies don't matter. Oh, yeah, no, they like, never matter. Spoiler alert, but yeah. in Batman v Superman, when Superman dies at the end, no one in that theater believed he was dead. No, well, because no, that's literally a whole comic about resurrecting him, but like. But it's, it's also like you're not going to kill no, off real characters. They've literally gotten to the point in comics where they name series the death of. Like, they have the death of Doctor Strange coming out and the death of Wolverine. And there was a dude who, when the death of Wolverine came out a few years ago, made a website titled IsWolverineStillDead.com to see how long it would last. And I think it lasted about two to three years before they're like, no, Wolverine's back. <laughs> but he's not Wolverine now. Is it like Old Man Logan went back in time or something? Or No, he he's still there depending on the continuity, but he's not Wolverine. He handed over the mantle fully to Laura. Sorry, they meant Logan, but yeah. at the time they were using the word Wolverine. Because th- after his death, after the death of Wolverine was when all new Wolverine started, and that was, was Laura Kinney yeah. like, taking up the mantle. Which the was only people dope. in comics who have stayed dead are Batman's parents and Uncle Ben. It used to be Gwen Stacy on that list, but they brought her back with a different universe version. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So, like, comic deaths don't mean anything, and like, unless you're a parent, movies. then you better watch the fuck out. Yeah. Unless um, your kid's the superhero. Yeah. Uh. <clears throat> sorry. Yeah, so do, 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 makes a to trap them. He captures Gamora after a crucial moment when Gamora begs Quill to kill her using the Space Stone to escape. Um, and he uses the Reality Stone to make it so that Quill can't kill her. Um, See, when I first saw that scene, I was like, "Oh my god!" Like Peter pussied out and doesn't wouldn't kill her, and then I was like, "Oh no." Peter would have pussied out, let's be real, for 30 seconds. Yeah, so that's why I was like, <laughs> "Oh wow, he brought a bubble gun out," and I was like, "Oh no, he." Thanos just was like, nope, but said, I like him, and then left. I think our relationship would be over if somebody did that. If what? If, if you swore to me that you would kill me rather than let me go back to my abusive father, who was probably going to kill me regardless. Like, either way, I'm dying. And you you swore to me that you would do it and then didn't. I think our relationship would be over. I think I'd be like, I can't trust you. No, like, But that's the thing is, he didn't. He didn't pussy out. He would have, but he didn't. Um, anyways, uh, Thanos reveals that he knows Gamora already knows the location of the Soul Stone after prying information from a tortured Nebula. Nebula escapes and signals the remaining Guardians to meet her. This is the first movie I like Nebula in. Yeah. Nebula's yeah. the fucking worst before this movie, and then she's... this movie an Endgame, you're like, I like you. Yeah, she's the, really the irritating. Guardians 2 ended on a like, oh, maybe she might change her no. and this movie did it. Even then, I was like, fuck you. Um, <laughs> and I I would argue that post this movie, like, her and Endgame is really what Her Endgame Stone, is, yeah. 
me liking her as a character and like i think what it is is we didn't have any of her backstory like we didn't know that thanos used to like rip her apart like this and like fuck with her mind and all that kind of stuff because after that i'm like okay you i get it like and and the reason she hates gamora for most of the it makes a lot of sense that because he's pit them against each other that she would have that resentment Yeah. yeah Sorry. Um, Nebula escapes and signals the remaining guardians to meet her on Titan, Thanos' homeworld. Thanos and Gamora travel to the planet of the Soul Stone, Vormir, where uh, the biggest reveal on this movie, being in theaters for this was fun. This uh, part is where I went, oh, this movie, literally any fucking thing can come back. Where the Red Skull, now the Stone Keeper. In oh, Boston, yeah. Yeah informs him that retrieving the stone uh carries a very heavy price the reason i think everybody like gasped at this was just like i think people forgot at this point that like he goes into the tesseract and we never know where he ends up it was a deep it was a deep cut and there was always the like well maybe he didn't die he technically got sucked in but like 20 movies later everybody also was like but it doesn't doesn't really matter at this point like the nazis are gone like whatever like who cares where he went whatever and i'd also argue that he's a different person at this point i don't think he's a good person but he is now in this immortal being that's just he's in hell essentially yeah that's the point is he's in hell for him uh, yeah i just remember me and a friend we, we saw the figure and he went oh i maybe that's lady death maybe they are gonna do the lady death thing and i'm like no man I look wish. at this and i went no man look at the collar i bet you that's a watcher that's interfering and then we saw red skull and we went oh the watchers do nothing the watchers do fucking nothing they literally do nothing but watch the watchers and the eternals marvel tends to be very careful with because you start to get into a free will conversation that people don't want to have with the watchers and the eternals well they almost brought the the living tribunal into this movie which would have been dumb. Nobody, I read a ton of Marvel comics and I still don't fully understand the Living Tribunal. I also have misunderstood if they wanted to actually bring in the Living Tribunal or if it was going to be a vision that Doctor Strange implanted. Like, they, they I've heard mixed things, so yeah. the idea never really went anywhere. Anyways, um, it's great. It made me think of Harry Potter, but it's great. <laughs> it's a good scene. Uh, just the line that he says that, um, that like he has to guard things. something. I've been chasing this for how long? And now I'm so close, but I can't touch it. it. Made me think of when Dumbledore is like, only the person who wanted to find the stone. Find it, but not use it. Yeah. Can't. He wanted to get it. Can it's I... almost the exact delivery. Yes, Victoria. Is the Sorcerer's Hello. Stone just an Infinity Stone? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Victoria. Okay, I did, I did bring something up because mm-hmm. I just... I don't know. I'm, and there might not. Maybe there's an answer to this in Endgame, and if so, you can just shut me down right now. But I don't have any reason to understand why Thanos kept Gamora when she was a child, like kept her alive. He wanted to build an army. Yeah, he has those those other four people that were helping him in the beginning have this essentially the same backstory as Gamora. Oh yeah, that's why they're his children. 
um, is because, uh, yeah, he took them as he was personally going through and murdering half of all living things on certain planets. But he was doing it by hand, you know, the old-fashioned way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, to be fair, the, this entire movie is that Thanos is tired of having to go planet to planet. No, I know. It yeah. It's just funny calling it the old-fashioned way. <laughs> but it's just that basically she's young enough where he can manipulate it that she won't remember what happened. Yeah, I I assume there was some sort of, like, manipulation yeah. reasons, being like, oh, yeah. well, she's a kid. But, like, I don't know, there's part of it in this movie where it makes you feel like, like, I don't know, he, like, sympathizes with her or something, and, like, that's where I'm like, I don't know, what, she's a child? You just killed a bunch of other children? Like, why? And why her? I don't know. She's very calm, I think, as part of it, too, is that with everything, and he can so easily control her, I think is part of it. And and Thanos is very manipulative and knows how to yeah. talk to somebody in a way that, like, it's why cult leaders go after kids. It's, like, just easier to manipulate them to believe that what you did was right. Yeah. The, the other was four. Bad. Yeah. Yeah. I was just say, the other four kind of just fed into his bullshit more than she and Nebula did to an extent. <laughs> the one that they call Squidward. All, all I could think of um, looks like um, uh, Pleakley or whatever from Lilo yeah, and Stitch. Yeah, he does look like Pleakley. He just has two <laughs> eyes instead of one. He does look yeah. like Pleakley. But Disney chose to reference their competition instead of themselves because Squidward's much more uh, of a household name. It just yeah. made me laugh. <laughs> um, but it's just, yeah, in the comics, that is not even close to her origin story. But, like, I get why they changed it. Well, she's still a daughter of Thanos, is she not? Yeah, but it has nothing to do. He just makes her in like a yeah. petri dish. Like fun. I think he I hate just that more. Creates I... her with genetic experimentation. Like, That's arguably worse. Yeah. Well, because and we'll say this at the top because Victoria doesn't know this, and I reference it all the time. In the comics, Thanos is not this philosophical character that he is in the MCU. He wants to have sex with Lady Death, the personification of death. And thinks that if he kills half of the universe, it will impress her and she'll have sex with him. And if that's he, his entire motivation. If he brings her the most souls and deaths that she will love. She'll fall in well, love with him I'm, and, like, him. I'm glad they changed that for the movies. Like, <laughs> they could not have pulled this off if they used that motivation. Yeah. I joke about wishing that they kept it the same, but, like... They would never have no. been able to pull it off. That, that Cinemason's joke about the power of boners is so strong it's would stronger, have literally yeah. been true. Victoria, I will give you three guesses if you can guess which Marvel superhero Death is married to. Oh God, do I know them? It is a character you know, but it is not. Um, it is a. I'll give you this hint. It's not a Marvel character that's been in the MCU yet. But she's not going to guess this, my man. It's a his hero that you've heard of. She's not going to guess this. I'm. I can tell you right now. It yeah. took me what thirty seconds to remember. She's not going to guess this. Just tell her. Oh. It's she she marries Deadpool. Yeah. Oh, I think I knew. Die. I think I knew this. Well, yeah. a meme went around about it um, after this movie came out. But yeah, it's like she never would have guessed that on her own. No, I wouldn't have. I always. Um, I also like. I just. I forget that Deadpool's a Marvel character. He's now just, in the MCU. They've confirmed it. The writers yeah. of Bob's Burgers are writing the third movie. Yeah, great. Yeah. They're writing the third Miller movie. T.J. Miller will not be in it. 
Good. Uh, Ryan Reynolds refuses you, to hire him back. You think they're going to recast Weasel or just? No, Weasel's just not going to be in it. Gotcha. Because um, recasting him would be dumb. Just because, like, T.J. Miller, the way he plays it is so specific. Yeah, that's fair. Um, But, anyways. Uh, so, the Stonekeeper informs him that retrieving the Soul Stone carries a heavy price. It can only be retrieved by sacrificing the uh, life of someone he truly loves. Um, despite his reluctance, Thanos tearfully throws Gamora off a tall cliff to her death and is granted the Soul Stone. I have mixed feelings about this scene. It's. I don't it's think weird. it's fair to say that he truly loves her. I think she loves the per. He loves that she served the purpose. Yeah. But if, if she was like Nebula, if she was the weaker one, he would not have loved her. But he, he, I think there's a lot of signs to show that he doesn't. He doesn't love Nebula, and I don't mean to be like, oh, in defense of Thanos thing. But I feel like if that's the rules of the stone, and the stone came to him, there has to be at some level some truth to it. I think Gamora. But that's my issue, is I don't like them writing in that he truly loves Gamora. Gotcha. Like, and they didn't need to write that that's how you get the Soul Stone. That's not how you get it in the comics, necessarily. And, like, I don't like personifying Thanos. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, he is a bad person. And, like, I've been told that he is a bad person and refuses to see it. And... I think that there's a certain extent the Dark Knight ruined me to this a little bit where the Joker has no real motivation other than he enjoys killing people in that movie and I was like this is dope because people like that exist yeah yeah I think that was like my biggest issue with Thanos too is they do yeah they humanize him a little bit in this sense where he thinks he's doing something for like the greater good by killing off all these people yeah, and even if he does, you don't need to make your audience sympathize with him in any way. That's yeah. the thing. I can't, I, I don't get people that have like, I don't agree with him, but I can understand that he thinks he's right. And I think that there's a distinction there. Yeah. And they, they play too much with the psychology that he, or not psychology, philosophy that he buys into, which there is a philosophical rule of thinking that thinks that um, poverty and war and crime and all, and like all that kind of stuff is necessary to a successful society because if we didn't have those, overpopulation would kill us off. But like, you need to paint it in a certain way because now there are people that buy like Team Thanos t shirts. Yeah, which I and hate. Like, basically, he's going around saying. Wrong team genocide yeah saying that yeah. that we should be allowed to like have i sent you guys that tiktok of the guy and he's like he's like if thanos ran for president or whatever and he like basically like pulls off like like fake like trump supporter kind of things but like talks about thanos in that way it's very funny i have to send it to you guys and the thing is he could just like you don't need to make him sympathetic you can have it be that he is crazy and he truly thinks that this is what he should do. And for no sympathetic reasons, there are people that follow him and give them their own reasons. Yeah. However, I don't like that he calls everybody who works for him the children of because two of them are married and that makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> um, and it's like, because it's like, it's gross. So like your son and daughter, you let them marry each other. Gross. It's, 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 it's like we said, it's like a culty thing. 
Yeah. Still, it's gross. Yeah. <laughs> Call them anything else. It's Call them like, your followers. <laughs> it's like um, Twilight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanos is Carlisle Cullen. <laughs> They are, they are complete foils of each other. Carlisle Cullen can live forever in pairs of all these children that marry each other, but he saves lives as a doctor. Thanos does the exact same thing, except he wants to eliminate half. But here's the, here's the thing that gets me about Twilight, is that their disguise is that they are just a foster family, yet mm-hmm. they openly date each other, and mm-hmm. no one in the school goes, that's weird. No, they do. They I do. I mean, there are people that are like, it's weird. Like, Anna Kendrick's character comments about yeah, it. Yeah, she says it, like, right away. Yeah, it's in the first movie. She was like, Still, they live together, and um, the oh, what is her name? She plays Selena in the Netflix series, and was in The Walking Dead as Rosita, and was in Ned's Declassified as Susie. Oh, I know who you're talking about, but I don't yeah. know her name either. Christina Cerritos. Cer- Wait, Susie Crabgrass is the same girl that plays Sabrina the Teenage Witch in the new one. No, Selena. I didn't say Sabrina. I Selena. said Selena. Oh. <laughs> Okay. I, have, I have no defense for that one. Okay, just keep, just forget it. <laughs> Anyways, um, and yeah, she immediately goes, well, I mean, they're not related. And Anaconda's character goes, still, it's weird. Yeah, no. It, yeah, it's weird. They Thanos' kids, kids all live together. They all grew up together. It's a little weird. Well, that part's not necessarily true. Anyways. Okay. Um, I'm ending this conversation. Anywho, um, cut to Stark and Peter Parker coming into the ship to rescue Strange from Maw's torture chamber. This is the scene that I said we will get to a scene that involves needles and eyes that I am not a fan of and upsets me more than the Loki one. It's oh, this yeah, yeah, yeah. It really freaks me out. I, I also, I just, I appreciate so much they have the... First of all, I love the 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 um the groupings that they have in it. Like I just mm-hmm. I like seeing all of them like interact that haven't interacted before. Yeah. But I appreciated so much when <laughs> Peter's like, Hi, I'm Peter, and he goes, Doctor Strange, and he goes, Oh, we're using oh, fake no, names. <laughs> because that was me. I was like, Doctor Strange is not a real name. And then I watched the oh, movie yeah. and I was like that's his name. Oh, that's his name. Literally that was a, his title. That was a scene in the trailer, and everybody was like, yes. <laughs> um, oh, it was good. It was yeah, funny. it's such a great moment. Oh, we're using our made-up names? Um, yeah, so they come in. They they save. I also really like Tony's line in this, where he's like, that is a very loyal... It's a very lo- It's very loyal outerwear. Jordan's not listening to anything that's being said right now. Oh, no. I know that the outerwear for the... Um... No, it's the concept scene that I wanted to get to. The concept art. Where Strange and Iron Man switch clothes. That's not at all what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a line in the movie. That's <laughs> oh, where I wanted to go, though, because I'm so excited to talk about the concept art. Yes, but you've said this line to me multiple times, and this is how I can tell that you were texting and not listening really what was on my mind like i'm so excited to talk about it um but yeah he says something about the cape being loyal um are you going to talk about it now or can i move on oh no i can talk about it now there is a, a concept idea where the way tony was going to save strange was he was going to take off the arc reactor 
and throw it to him. And then Strange was going to have it on an Iron Man suit where the Time Stone necklace is the arc reactor and the blasters look like Strange's magic. And then the cape was going to fly around and put itself on Tony, who's really just kind of in spandex now. And it's the concept art is the coolest fucking thing. Good. I'm glad this brings you joy. Um, I have no emotional attachment to this. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, also, speaking of, though, Iron Man's new suit in this does so much. Well, yeah. that's the point, is that it's not one suit. It's like a nanotech that can just change on the fly. No, I know, but I just, like, I was amazed by all the new, like, tech they gave him in this. Yeah. Um. It's a good setup, too, because it shows that while Tony might not be an Avenger and, like, flying off to save the world all the time anymore, he's not, he hasn't walked away from it. And that yeah. it, it's just that he's not capable of it. This is just the concept art that Jordan is sending. Yes. Jordan doesn't I, know how to let things go. I assumed. Um. Anyways. Oh, it's giving me an error. I'll That's send it to you fine. on Facebook because this damn website insists on A-Links. Um, anyways. Strange believes they should retreat to protect the Time Stone, but Stark disagrees. He believes they should take it, take the fight to Thanos instead of retreating like they've done in the past. The three leave to confront Thanos on Titan, where they meet Quill, Drax, and Mantis, formulating a plan to remove Thanos' gauntlet. Um, we're getting to why Peter Quill is a waste of time. Um... <laughs> While discussing their tactic, Strange uses the Time Stone to view alternate futures, telling them that he's seen 14,605,000 of them, with the only worth only one that the Avengers win. Benedict Cumberbatch is such a good actor. I literally can't. Uh, yeah. I don't tend to like Doctor Strange in the comics. Like, he's fine, but I don't tend to like him until the first Doctor Strange movie came out and they changed up the comics a little bit to make it a little more... Um, similar to the mcu uh which they've done that with a couple of different characters dr strange is such a good character and it's all because benedict cumberbatch is a fantastic actor oh i yeah i feel like if they had anybody else playing this role i don't think it would, I don't be think it would work good or interesting or have any emotional he, connection for anyone he would be just another rich asshole he would yeah. just be another tony stark yeah but um Anyways, uh, well, da, 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 Thanos teleports to Titan, where after a brief conversation with Strange meant to distract him, the group engaged Thanos in hand-to-hand, uh, hand-to-hand combat and managed to subdue him. Manos, Mant- Manos, Mantis is able to calm Thanos while Peter and Tony attempt to pry the gauntlet from his arm. Quill and Nebula, who arrived on Titan during the battle, deduce that Gamora is dead and an enraged Quill retaliates, hitting Thanos and breaking the group's hold on him. Peter Quill is useless, and yeah. they should have left him on that planet to die. The other he thing is, is useless from now to the end of Endgame, and James Gunn is going to have to work very hard in Guardians 3 for me to see any value in him as a person. When I first saw the movie, I thought the gauntlet was, like, maybe to, like, his wrist-ish. If you watch it in HD, he's holding the, like, that gauntlet was basically off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, they were almost the rest of the movie wouldn't have happened if Peter Quill wasn't awful. And the thing that sucks is Peter Quill is such a cool character in the comics, but Chris Pratt makes him the fucking worst. 
He's I mean, just the, an annoying child. The writers also make him shitty. But I also think with a different actor, I'd be more sympathetic to this. I, I will I don't, say, mm, I it's don't think I would. annoying, but it's within the character they've established, which is... Like, you already ruined the character of Hawkeye. Can we not ruin Star Wars, Star-Lord as well? Um... It's just my issue with it is that like Star Lord's such a good character and they make him awful in this movie. He he's what makes you realize that Peter Pan is not a good character because that's all he is is he's just Peter Pan. He never he got abducted at ten and never really grew out of that like mindset of a ten year old. Yeah, and now he doesn't have the emotional intelligence to do anything. Um, and it's why like. Never mind, I can't talk about that yet. Never mind. Um, yeah, so... Da, 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 da. Uh, Thanos takes the gauntlet back and defeats the group, threatening to kill Stark unless Strain gives him the time stone. Strain does so and tells Tony they've entered the endgame. Thanos adds a stone to his gauntlet and departs Titan. However, the only thing I will say is I wish that, like... And I know why they didn't, but in a logic in universe way, I feel like Doctor Strange could have just sent the cape to tie up Quill. And just be like, you sit down. Oh, but the cape's doing something. Never mind. It is. The cape's blinding him, I think? or Yeah, the cape's doing something. Never mind. Ignore me. Cape's the real MVP. The cape is the real MVP. Yep. Um, Can I cosplay as just the cape somehow? I'm sure that people have done it. Awesome. Yeah, I'm sure that people, like, you put your face in the collar, have the yeah. collar come out, and then be in all red with, like, long billowy sleeves and pants. I'm sure that people have done it. People have cosplayed as fucking BB-8 and, like, R2-D2, so, like, I'm sure. I want to cosplay as BB-8, but not in a good way. I literally just want to buy one of those inflatable costumes. Fantastic. Anyways, uh, Thor, Rocket, and Groot arrive at the abandoned and desolate Nidavilleur. Need need Verler, whatever. Um, Thor is puzzled that the giant forge is inactive. The giant drawer, the giant dork, is what I just almost said. I'm right here. <laughs> the giant dwarf, Etri, Etri, Etri. However the fuck you say I, it's, it. Lots it's of Norse words that got thrown at me. I thought it was Etri. Etri, Etri, yeah. Tells him that Thanos uh, forced the dwarves to create his gauntlet, and in return, Thanos killed all the dwarves except for Eitri. Which, okay, I can't believe this is, I don't know why this is, I was surprised this was the first time Peter Dinklage showed up in the MCU. <laughs> I, I, I remember someone making a joke that's like, hey, Peter Dinklage, we want you to play a dwarf. No, but you're the, still, you're actually the tallest character in the movie. Okay, oh man. <laughs> Fun fact, uh, one of my, my... Uh, close friends. Her uncle has almost killed Peter Dinklage twice by accident. How do you make? He's almost that twice? run him over with a car twice. <gasps> like on separate occasions. Yes. Oh my god. Yep. Good. Backing up. Okay. Yep. Uh. Yeah. I ran over Oprah. <laughs> I ran over Oprah. Anyways, uh, 
After laboring to reactivate the forge and reignite the neutron star that powers it, the four create Stormbreaker, a battle axe that serves as Thor's new weapon and grants him the power of the Bifrost. Uh, Meanwhile, the Avengers arrive in Wakanda and ask Shuri... and task Shuri with safely extracting the Mind Stone from Vision. Which, okay, yes. okay, okay, okay. I knew you told me ahead of time that they would throw away Wanda's accent, but it really irritated me that all of a sudden she just doesn't have an accent anymore. I, I When you get to WandaVision, you'll understand. I, I, I have a reason why I think it works. It doesn't. It just... They tried to retcon it in WandaVision in a way that didn't even work at retconning it. It doesn't work. They realized that Elizabeth Olsen keeping up a Sokovian Eastern European accent for as long as she needs to. I guarantee you Florence Pugh is going to lose her accent within two movies. I was thinking the same thing when I saw the trailer recently and saw that she had an accent in that too. She's and I was like, that accent in two movies. Like, that's going to be I, gone. I just don't know why they just... Just let them talk. Like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't... I really don't care. You just have to choose one way. It's like what I was saying about Defending Jacob last night, is that, like, all the main characters don't have Boston accents, but every, like, side character of, like, a waiter or another cop or just, like, a random person have these heavy Boston accents. Yeah. You have to pick one. Yeah. Well, maybe the main characters aren't Boston natives. They are, though, and they establish it. Yeah. They establish that they're from the Boston area, that they grew up there. It's also like, I can't figure out why they couldn't get hers to be consistent, yet T'Challa's is incredibly good and incredibly consistent. Jordan, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I think I know what you're about to say. Some actors are incapable of doing accents for very long, and I say that because I am one of them. Um, I can't do accents for very long, and I can barely do them when I can. Like, it's... It's also partly because, like, I grew up in the time of Harry Potter when everybody, like, all, like, the quirky girls would talk in British accents, and that drove me fucking crazy for some reason. And so now I don't know how to do a British accent because it's infuriating to me when people do them for no fucking reason. It drives me up the fucking wall. Um, But yeah, no, what it comes down to is sometimes it's really difficult for an actor to maintain an accent, which is why I'm only 90% sure that Florence Pugh is going to lose her accent in two movies. Uh, the other 10% says that she's good at accents and it just stays the entire time. She's wonderful. Well, she's I mean, she is not American, so she's already got the American one That's now. the thing. Is she's British, <laughs> and British people tend to be, and this is not anything bad, this is just a fact. British people tend to be better at accents. They're so good. It's unfair. Because it's because British acting schools put a huge emphasis on vocal training, and that's what helps you develop accents, is putting that emphasis on vocal training that American schools don't do. Um, I can speak from experience. <laughs> Uh, anyways. Uh, do, 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 do. Meanwhile, the Avengers arrive in Wakanda. I read that sentence already. Um, Thanos' outrider army arrives and begins attacking Wakanda and the Avengers alongside the united Wakandan armies led by King T'Challa mount, to mount a defense against Thanos' forces. Glave, uh, or however the fuck you pronounce this character's name, infiltrates Shuri's lab and attacks Vision. The Outriders begin to overwhelm the defending uh, armies before Thor, Rocket, and Groot arrive to join the battle. The tide seems to be turning for the Avengers. 
Uh, Midnight, Obsidian, and Glave are killed, but Thanos arrives for the Mind Stone. A tearful Maximoff destroys the still-implanted Mind Stone in Vision to prevent Thanos from retrieving it. However, Thanos uses the Time Stone to reverse the event and pry the Mind Stone from Vision, killing him again. This entire scene fucks me up in a way it's that nothing fucking in the wild. Has yeah. Um, I will it's, only feel you upset me deeply. It's so dark. On a lighter note, I really like the joke that uh, Rhodey pulls on Bruce where he makes him bow. <laughs> And it's like, no, we don't do that here. Oh my god. Oh, uh, I, did, I forgot to write it down because there was just so much happening and I wrote down so many things. But um, um, Hulk's like uh, the, the Iron Hulk, Hulk thing. Hulk Hulkbuster. It's so cool. Is that from the comics? They used to no, it's from Ultron. Ultron. I mean, it is from the comics, but they. It is from the comics, but they, yeah, they hit him with it. Tony puts it on. Go to sleep, 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 go to sleep when he's punching the Hulk. Where they talk about it, they nickname it Veronica, and it's like the contingency plan they have. Do we see the whole thing? Yeah. There's a whole fight in it. Tony flies in it, and there's an entire scene of Tony fighting Bruce and being like, I'm so sorry, because Tony feels bad because he knows Bruce is in there. I don't, I don't remember that. Yeah, they build a contingency plan, and it's named Veronica because Hulk's ex-girlfriend's name is Betty, and it's a uh, Archie Comics reference. Okay. Um, I also laughed at, I can't think of the Wakandan woman's name when she goes, why wasn't this bitch out here the whole time? When when Wanda has to come down and join the battle, Okoye is like, why was she up there the whole time? I literally had that thought like minutes before. I was like, why is Wanda standing in there? Up until now, and up until WandaVision, that was a whole debate where like, white fanboys in the MCU were like, Wanda's useless, she has no power, and everybody else was like, she's the most powerful Avenger and could wreck your shit in a minute, my man! But yeah, that was like a whole thing. Wait till you get to Endgame in WandaVision. I feel like, wait till you get to WandaVision. I feel like her power shows in Endgame and that scene is phenomenal, but WandaVision is where you see her. I I just, without getting to details of future spoilers. I remember at one point in Endgame, when you were sitting next to me, when Wanda pops up and starts doing something, you just went, oh fuck. Because oh. we knew shit was about to go. <laughs> she drops and there's a, she drops into the field and there was a very specific line and I went, things are about to get very bad. Uh, I have one one hope for the MCU moving forward and that's that I get to see um, Captain Marvel and Wanda fight together more. Especially now that they, from WandaVision, you'll see that they have a connecting character. And I just want to see the three of them, like, fight together. Because I feel like it'd be so cool. Fun. And if they're going with the big bad for Phase 4 that I'm pretty sure they're going with, I I think we will get to see it. And I Wait, want who's your, it. Who, who's your guess? Kang. Okay, that's what I was thinking, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think we're going to get real weird and go into, like, Kang, Mephisto area. Yeah. Which I'm excited for because that means we get to see a lot of a lot. the The MCU is is now very it, diverse, it's and I'm entering into the weird excited. place too. It's getting weird, but my main thing is it it. I'm excited to watch battle scenes again because it's so diverse. Yeah, and it's not just white man punches other white man. Yeah. Um. Like it's just so cool. But we can talk about that during Endgame. Um. Anywho. Uh, 
Thor attacks and drives Stormbreaker into Thanos' chest, but Thanos survives long enough to snap his fingers with the gauntlet. I also blame Thor for this. Like, later on when people are like, it's not Thor's fault. No, he shouldn't. He wanted to look in Thanos' eyes as he killed him as, like, a payback for Hemdall and Loki. But sometimes you just go for the head, always. Like, my go-to in video games is always headshots, fire, and, like, hot things will kill anything. (laughs) For the most part. So, like, just maybe, maybe... Um, anyways, uh, on a faraway world, he finds Gamora as a child. When he confirms that he achieved his goal, she asks him what it costs. His answer is everything. This is what I don't like. That didn't need to be there. This is the specifically the scene where I think they try to make Thanos an emotional, sympathetic character that they, that it didn't need to be there. Yeah. I think he could have just gone to his farm and watch the sunrise over a, a grateful, universe. grateful universe and that would have been fine they didn't need to put in that it cost him anything yeah um back on earth thor looks in horror as thanos and his gauntlet now battered from the effort and his left arm and part of his chest burnt teleports away thanos's goal of eradicating all life in the universe comes to fruition as people begin disintegrating bucky barnes t'challa Groot, max uh wanda maximoff Sam Wilson, Mantis, Drax, Star-Lord, Doctor Strange, and Peter Parker all fade away. In Wakanda, only Rogers, Thor, only Steve Rogers, Thor, Bruce Banner, Natasha Romanoff, uh, Rhodey, Rocket, Okoye, and M'Baku remain of the heroes. On Titan, only Nebula and Tony are left alive. Thanos awakens fully healed on another lush green planet and serenely watches the sunrise, smiling slightly, having achieved his ultimate goal. In a post credit scene, the Earth is in chaos as people begin dissol- dissolving to ash. Driverless cars crash into the street. A helicopter is seen crashing into a skyscraper and exploding. Former S.H.I.E.L.D. director Nick Fury and Deputy Director Maria Hill witness the scene on the street before they dissolve themselves. Before he vanishes, Fury manages to send a final distress signal to Captain Marvel. I'm so excited for her to show up. Wait, just wait. It's I- so good. Uh- it's so good. I know. I know. Our um, our Captain Marvel episode uh, disappeared oh, into the right. unknown, but I did watch that movie, and so I'm very excited for it's her to so finally good. come back. And she's hot, and like got the short haircut from the comics, like her little like pixie mohawk. cut mohawk thing, and it's hot. It's hot. I love her, and just like ooh, when she shows up in Endgame in the final battle of Endgame, ooh. <laughs> It's such a good scene. It's such a good scene. I will not shut up about it when we get there because I love the way it's done. Doctor Strange has... Oh, so we're going to jump into... (laughs) We're going to jump into fun facts. Uh, There are no casting fun facts for this because, like, there aren't real new characters that matter. Like... And if you're going to... If you're going to have a dwarf, it's going to be Peter Dinklage. Yeah. Um, Anyways... Uh, Doctor Strange, so we're gonna jump just right into the fun fact. Doctor Strange has been studying for a few years since his solo movie, and is now considered one of the more powerful characters in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The writers also want him to come off as sort of the adult in the room throughout the movie, which I think they succeed at. Yeah. They also heavily imply that, like, because they kind of do it in his movie, because you don't know how long he was in with Dormammu. And in this one, he watched 14 Million Futures. Like, mentally, he's basically, like, immortal. Like, he's seen a lot of shit and learned from it. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, just and also too, like the group that they put him with in this, he definitely is the adult of the group. Mm-hmm. Um, filmmakers did not know about the war chants the actors and actresses from Black Panther created as the movie wasn't finished when they started shooting. So they had filmed all of Black Panther, but it was still being edited. So nobody knew what was in it besides the people who had worked on it. So when Winston Duke started that chant and there was a responding cry, they were all like, what? <laughs> <laughs> he won't bay. Which I that means that. something. I found out doing, I have a fun fact about it later on, that he won't bay oh. means something. That it's not just like, because what I went to is, is in rugby, the uh, Celtic and the Polynesian teams all have chants. And the haka, which is the chant of like a lot of the Polynesian teams, New Zealand, Australia, all that, they do the haka. That stuff, those mean something. I'm convinced the Irish team just chants nonsense. <laughs> um, Honestly, possibly, knowing like, Irish. I think they just chant, and I think the Scottish team just chants nonsense. Um, I don't know what the haka means, but it does. There is a translation to those, like lyrics or chant or whatever you want to call it anyways um chris emsworth and chris emsworth (laughs) chris evans and chris hemsworth ad-lib the dialogue between captain america and thor in which they talk about their facial hair reasoning that they have known each other long enough to have that kind of friendly banter cute I made a joke once that like we don't really like consider consider this from Steve's perspective that the last time he saw Thor was like two, two three years ago at this point mm-hmm. maybe longer and he just went I'm gonna go back home for a bit and then he just comes back looking new has two new friends has short new, hair yeah yeah I know and then like Steve not only has the beard now but also is growing out the hair too and the scar is off of his chest he doesn't have his shield yeah he also probably had to explain after the fact like in the midst of people panicking be like oh by the way I'm a war criminal now so like yeah (laughs) I feel like that conversation happened in the the time jump between Infinity War and that's what I'm saying but at some point after the the panic and everybody getting dusted he has to be like oh by the way i kind of have to be underground yeah i feel like they were gonna leave wakanda and like chat they were like talking and steve was like oh well can i get back into america easily and thor is like what what do you mean but you are america <laughs> but you're from there what do you mean you can't get back in oh hey by the way here's a dvd of civil war this will catch you up um remember wanda who you knew for all of like 10 minutes um, well, uh, yes, Kenneth Brown, the, who directed the first Thor movie, can be heard in the beginning of the movie, issuing the distress transmission that the Asgardian ship was being attacked. I always like that fact. It made me smile. What? Yeah. I always like that cute. fact. I don't know it's why. Fun. Yeah. Um, Rocket calls the Outriders space dogs. This line was written after a focus group saw one of the test screenings, and one of the viewers referred to the creatures as space dogs. Uh, the filmmakers thought that that was hilarious and decided to add it to the movies. It's like Stranger Things when they had little dog monsters when we were like demodogs. Yeah. I also think it helps establish that these are not sentient beings. Or so- I'm, that, do, that does not establish that they're not sentient. But if, I don't know. 
oh, you you want to get into the politics of using animals in warfare? Because we can get into those politics if you'd like to. Fair enough. Never mind. I'll shut up. <laughs> um, for the first time in the Marvel Cinematic History, Bruce Banner communicates directly with the Incredible Hulk. I loved it. It made yes. me so happy. He's so what you frustrated. Mean? No. He's so frustrated the whole movie. I'm like, this poor guy for once in his life needs, like, he's like, I need the big guy now. I need you to come hang, my man. Like, and you won't come through. Yeah. Uh, Uh, We already talked about this, but around four minutes, Loki says, We have a Hulk to Thanos, quoting Tony Stark, saying it to him in Avengers. Good. Uh, Josh Brolin claims that he did not see Black Panther until a week before this movie opened, which was like, what, two months after? Because uh, yeah. this came out in April, that came out in February. Mm-hmm. So yeah, two months later. Due to it being constantly sold out in Los Angeles, <laughs> Brolin added that the stars of the Marvel Cinematic Universe don't receive any special privileges of screening passes, screening passes to the franchise. <laughs> Nice. So he couldn't watch it until it was on Netflix. Because... Do they not invite the rest of the MCU to the premieres? Not necessarily. They only invite the people from the individual movie. Yeah, like, yeah. um, the, the especially if the premieres are out here, the Chinese theater is not big. Fair. Like it's smaller than you would think it is. It's it's just funny. Yeah. The Wakandan war cry Yimambe is Zoza for hold strong. Other translations oh. include hold fast or simply hold. All of these translations are appropriate for their situation. The chant was also, was also briefly recited by Nakia and the River Tribe in Black Panther. Yeah, nice. Bombay means hold strong. Thanos' reality-bending attacks on Mantis and Drax during the fight on Nowhere were callbacks to a scene in the original comics where Nebula was transformed into ribbons and Drax was sliced to cubes. Thanos, it just, I'm so sorry. Uh, at the time of release, this was the second most expensive movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. These flies are fucking in the air. Good for them. Liaren <laughs> <laughs> is referring to flies in her apartment. Just yeah. so. Wait, does, that, does that count as the Mile High Club? I don't know, I guess. Anyways. Um... At the time of its release, this was the second most expensive movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the second most expensive hero, superhero movie of all time. I'm really impressed that you guys are, are holding it together. <laughs> now you're dead. She's talking to the flies again. Yes, Good. this is referencing the flies. Um, my maintenance man in my apartment is convinced there's a dead body somewhere in the pipes. Because we're having all sorts of issues with uh, the drains and the water coming up in the toilets. Like, oh, every couple of days, the water coming up in the toilets is foggy, and we've been having weird, like, bugs coming out of the drains, and so my, my maintenance man is convinced that something's dead in the water. And is he going to do anything about it? He can't. That's up to the city. Oh, like, the main pipes, not, like, your pipes. Not our pipes. The Good. main pipes. Good. But he's not sure, because the water coming out of our taps doesn't have a funny smell, isn't a funny color, any of that kind of stuff. But What about neighboring buildings? They having those issues? I don't know. We don't talk to neighboring buildings. Please. <laughs> I barely talk to my neighbors. No, I mean, and, like, and like... the superintendent uh, the owners oh, I of that have, building. I highly doubt it. Our property manager is the fucking worst. <laughs> I think if there's, if there's a dead body, it's going to happen in multiple places. 
Do you like that I made direct eye contact with you while doing that, Jordan? Yeah. Uh, Captain America is wearing the same suit he wore in Captain America's Civil War. The filmmakers redesigned the outfit to distress and desaturate it. He has also ripped the labels off of it as well. The scales underneath his suit are a nod to the original suit from the comic books. Uh, Steve Rogers has had a new look for this movie. At the end of Captain America Civil War, Steve Rogers quit as Captain America, something which has occurred several times in the comic books. For the first time, he assumed the identity of Nomad. Uh, Rogers' costume captures the basic elements of the Nomad character and that it's primary blue and features some yellow dislike objects attached to the collar. His costume is more yellow and blue in the comics, but he is very similar to Nomad in this. In that, it, uh, for the second time Steve Rogers quit, he was featured to have grown a, grown a scraggly beard, and he would eventually shave the beard and become simply the captain. Consequently, the physical appearance and costume for Steve Rogers is a combination of the two most popular times he quit being Captain America. Uh, the name Thanos is a shortened form of the Greek name Thanatos, which means death in Greek. Fun. Tony Stark telling Peter Parker to cut it out with the pop culture references is quite hypocritical. Again, I didn't write these fun facts. I just thought this one was fun. That's also true. I, Stark often- I got irritated again that he does that. Like, have you ever seen that old movie? I'm like, Dude, shut up. You're, the man you're talking to is 40-something years old. Just t- say to him, have you have ever seen like just say the words have you seen aliens i i don't know why like why they do that to like why they write him like that because sometimes you are reminded in these movies that peter parker was supposed to be a 16 year old being written by two 50 year old men yeah and 50 year old men think 16 year olds in 2018 go that really old movie the empire strikes back or that really old movie aliens they they don't i promise you they don't any any star wars fan regardless of age is probably just going to call it empire if they already have established they're talking about well if you're trying to say have you seen you're going to say the empire strikes back you're not going to say have you seen empire yeah but anyways uh Stark often pokes fun at all the other characters by calling them by movie titles or character names. In Avengers, he calls Loki Reindeer Games, which is my favorite one. He oh uh, and Rock of Ages. He calls Thor Shakespeare in the Park, Point Break, and calls Hawkeye Legolas. In Captain America: Civil War, he calls Bucky the Manchurian Candidate, which <laughs> is a reference that they threw in there that went over everyone's head. I was going to say, that definitely goes over most people's heads. Yeah. Um, in Spider-Man Homecoming, he called uh, Peter Parker, Parker Crockett as a reference to Miami Vice. Which, let me tell you, when I first watched that movie, I did not realize it was a reference to Miami Vice. Because of, like, 80s television shows, that's the one I know the least. And I thought he was calling him Davy Crockett, and I didn't get it. That's what I thought, too. Yeah. I was like, I'm sorry, is he wearing a raccoon hat? Like, <laughs> in the future, is he going to turn Rocket into a hat? Because that'd be fun. That'd be fun to watch. Stop. Peter Parker murders Rocket and skins him for a hat. <laughs> Wears his tail as a show of dominance. Yeah. In this movie, he scorned Ebony Maw by calling him Squidward, and later calls Star-Lord Flash Gordon. 
The Russo brothers insisted that Chris Pratt gain a small amount of weight so that it would match the line that had been written in the movie, Quill, you're one sandwich away from fat. I would have been annoyed by this if I was Chris Pratt, to be honest. I would have been like, just remove the line. Yeah. Like, also, you guys literally made me go from the fat guy in Parks and Rec to the one of the most fit people nowadays. Just I, like, I feel like, too, they, they have so much costuming on him anyway that it wouldn't have mattered if he gained the weight or not. You could still make that joke. You could also just make it be sarcastic that it's Rocket being an asshole. Yeah. Or Rocket would have just thought of like, a, like, you know, you're, you're, you're fit, but you're not Thor fit. Yeah. Because that's yeah. true. Chris Pratt is fit. He's not Chris uh, Chris uh, Hemsworth, Hemsworth fit. There Most are very... of them aren't, because Chris was... Hemsworth is, like, legitimate. Like, Chris Evans has always had, like, a nice body. Chris Hemsworth body builds. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say none of them are Chris Hemsworth's That level. picture of him after finishing up Love and Thunder? Like, god yeah. damn, his arm is fucking huge. And part of it is also that he is Australian, and he lives in Australia, and so, like, what he does for, like, just general activities is he goes surfing and does these yeah. crazy hikes and rock climbs. It's like, he is just a very active person to I also think it it makes sense that that thor would be the bigger he's a one. god he's like yeah. Hercules. Yeah, yeah exactly um the filmmakers wanted to create small physical rules that would allow characters to stay in the fight with thanos the idea of thanos uh having to close his fist to use a stone was the bare minimum allowed for a fight to be put up According to Chadwick Bossman, production on this movie began just two weeks after production of Black Panther had ended. Yet they literally went from filming Black Panther in Atlanta, they had two weeks off and had to fly to Ireland to start filming Endgame. Wow. Or Infinity War and Endgame. They filmed this and Endgame back to back. Yeah. So the people that were in Black Panther were for like filmed straight years were filming Marvel titles. Yeah. For like two years. Ooh. Which is as an actor is awesome because it means you're you're working consistently yeah. for two years, but uh, it's just exhausting. Yeah. So. Um this meant all of the actors, actresses, and extras from that movie appeared in this movie and had no problem retaining their candences. Which is also I feel like nice in a way because it's not like, oh, I was just doing this movie where I have to be in like peak physical fitness and now I have like six months to a year where I'm not playing this character and I don't have to maintain this body and then three months before I start filming again I have to start going back to that dieting you yeah stay on that path um Josh Brolin acted in this movie with a foam headpiece that was the size of Thanos's head on a camera on his face for visual with a camera on his face for visual effects. He also had to wear various foam parts depending on what the scene called for so the other actress actors and actresses didn't get too close to his real body and so Thanos's scale was retained. Cuz that's the thing that I don't think people realize. When you're filming a movie like a scene in a movie you to look like you're standing like close to each other on screen you have to be standing like on top of each other <laughs> like we did a in my my acting for the camera one of my acting for the camera classes we did a scene from being john malkovich and me and the guy i was acting with to look like we were sitting next to each other at a bar which you have like some distance between you and the the person next to you at a bar our knees had to be touching and for one shot my leg was over his so that we could get close enough for it to look normal um, so he had all this stuff on him that was, like, 
don't come closer than here. And then a big pole up his back with a Thanos head on it. And it's like, look at this, not him. Good. My balls. Look at my balls, to quote James Spader. Yeah. Look up, not... Because if you look at my face, you will be looking at my balls on screen. (laughs) Also, I just want to shout out Josh Brolin's performance as Thanos. Yeah, he's great. He's fucking phenomenal. Yeah. Josh Brolin is a great actor. He's phenomenal. He's the only good part of Deadpool 2. You also found him hot in Deadpool 2. He's very dilfy in Deadpool 2. It's he's borderline It's borderline gilfy. It's just that he has gray hair. It's not that he's old. He just has gray hair. Yeah, fair enough. But he's he's dilfy. It's it's I, nice. It's fun. I don't even think I know what he looks like. I'm googling him now. He plays Cable. Oh. Okay, I think I've seen him before. Yeah, Victoria gets it. <laughs> he, um, he looks, yeah, he looks like a, a dilf. Yeah, see? And, like, yeah. I've realized that not in real life, but in, like, fictional characters, I kind of got a thing for scars. Good. Like, I like scars. <laughs> Good. Um, I'm glad we established that. Yeah. Anyways, uh, the Incredible Hulk crashing into Doctor Strange's Sanctum Sanctorium is a nod to the comic book The Infinity Gauntlet 1, where the Silver Surfer crashes through Doctor Strange's window and warns of a threat of Thanos. Um, In this movie, Thor confirms that Groot is a language that can be learned and spoken as he took it as an elective in school on Asgard. This explains why only Rocket was originally able to understand Groot and the other Guardians had to learn over time. This also confirms that Groot understands English and likely other languages, but is only able to speak Groot. There's a comic panel where they almost make it look like a curse because they have a thought bubble where Groot is saying this like intensely deep thing and then outward just says, I am Groot. Yeah. And they it's painted as like he's suffering that that's all he can say. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I've, never, I've never cried over a piece of wood before, but damn. <laughs> Well, I have a fun fact that's going to make you even more emotional about it. I'm so sorry. Hang on one second. This is about school. Okay. Um... Filmmakers thought it was important to remind viewers that each stone does and uh, what each stone does and show it visually, which is why when Thanos obtains a stone, he usually employs it in the next scene. Uh, As they paid uh, homage to their television show community in the second and third Captain America movies, the Russo brothers also included another Easter egg from their other well-known show, Arrested Development. Uh, in this movie, in Captain America, the stair car- Civil War, the stair car from Arrested Development appears in the Berlin airport. In this movie, Blue Tobias Funk from the uh, same show appeared in one of the collector's display cases. He can yeah. be seen behind and to the left of Gamora in one shot. Marvel Studio made the hashtag Thanos demands your silence to help stop spoilers. Nice. Yeah. In the French dub of this movie, 
Tony uses Voldemort as an insult to Ebony Maw in place of Squidward. This is because Squidward's French name is Carlo and was too ordinary for audiences to get the joke and for the joke to work. The same applied to the uh, to Squidward's German name, Thaddeus. Good. I want to know what other uh, dubs had to change. I love that his name is Carlo. Yeah. He's just a normal dude. Yeah, why is it, it not the same? It goes from a hyper-specific word to Carlo. It's so dumb and I love it. I want to know what Patrick is in the other ones. Well, yeah, because Patrick's the only one that's like a normal name. Yeah. No oh. Sandy, I guess. Yeah. Fair. Uh, Thanos was originally going to walk through a river of... <laughs> I didn't read this before I put this in. Oh, I'm curious. Thanos was originally going to walk through a river of his victim's blood during the Soul Stone sequence, but Marvel decided it was too dark and toned yeah, it down. Yeah. Good call. Oh, we were going Wait, do, do biblical. Like, do they mean like Gamora's blood or all his victims? All of his victim's blood. Gotcha. Gross. Uh, we're going real biblical with that one, guys. Um, Proxima Midnight, the female member of the Black Order, normally wears a black horned helmet in the comic books, but this was changed to organic horns growing from her head to avoid confusion between Hela's distinctive, between her and Hela's distinctive helmet in Thor Ragnarok. Um. I think it looks cooler like that. Uh, Josh Brolin based his characterization of Thanos on Marlon Brando's role Colonel Walter Kurtz in Apocalypse Now, which, now that I know that, I can see it. Um... In a New York Times interview, when asked about how the script was written to accommodate the large cast, co-writer Stephen McFeely said, not every scene can be 25 people in a room, so you're going to have to make kickball, te kickball teams and then have a tournament. <laughs> Which is, I think is a good way to do it and a good way to look at it. Yeah. yeah. And like I said, I appreciated some, like, the little groupings. There were a lot of interactions of people that we hadn't seen before. One of my few complaints about Infinity War and Endgame is that I didn't get more wild groupings. Uh, I was going to say um, the, the grouping that's at Wakanda feels mm -hmm. a little like Safe. we've... Yeah, like, we've seen it too many times, but... Yeah, but we were doing whatever. so much in this movie that I feel like going... You had to go safe somewhere. You know, so yeah. Just a complete, I, like... Yeah, you know, it was, like... And, like... I don't know. It made sense plot-wise, too, that, like... They were like, okay, well, we need... We need to find Vision, and only Cap knows where <laughs> Vision is. Yeah. And then... And then... You know, Cap brings along Falcon and Nat and Rhodey. Like, it, it made sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, although not explicitly stated in the movie, Corvus and Proxima Midnight of the Black Order are husband and wife. The filmmakers did not want the Soul Stone to be somewhere audiences already knew or to have it be random. They chose for it to be a secret for one of the characters, therefore becoming emotional. Which, I mean, I guess... I remember the two biggest theories were uh, Heimdall, and at one point before the movie came out, people thought it was going to be in Wakanda. 
Which, like, why? Whatever. Because the herb lets you see the souls of people? Yeah, but people in... the MCU fans make Earth far too important. Yeah. Heimdall came from the fact that he could see everyone and was orange. I mean, he was gold. He wasn't orange. He, had a, he has gold. an orange... He has an orange, like, stone, though, on his costume and, like... I mean, I guess. This is why people were disappointed with WandaVision, and this is why people are going to be disappointed with Loki, is because you all look for tiny little things. I'm like, okay yes. with theories, that as long as you can accept that you might be wrong. Yeah. Jordan was like, the word homecoming in the Spider-Man title means something. It has to be with Bucky. <laughs> and I was like, no, it doesn't. <laughs> I but promise you it doesn't. But did I throw a bitch fit when I was wrong? No. It was just, you were like, it is, Aaron, just wait. I think this is why I'm convinced that a live-action Spider-Verse is not happening, because you've had very few theories be real. <laughs> Listen, I know you don't want it to happen, but it's up to you. Do you want it's it to happen professionally? Do you want really it to happen care. professionally, or do you want me to make a five-hour YouTube video off my gourd? Because <laughs> I'm telling no, you. No, I would just like us to continue with with the Into the Spider-Verse movies we have, is, is the real answer. I don't there's really give a shit about there being a live-action Spider-Verse. There's room for everyone. I okay. No, no, we're done. We've had this conversation too many times. Anyways, uh, co-directors Anthony and Joe Russo have confirmed that several Asgardians have escaped Thanos's attack. Valkyrie from Thor Ragnarok being one of them. Which this is a fun thing that like for months after this movie, because there was a year between this and Endgame. Anywhere, anytime any of them went anywhere, they were asked, did this character uh, survive the snap? And almost always, they said yes, and then they had to retcon a bunch of them. Like, Aunt May being the biggest one, where, like, multiple people are like, she survived the snap, and then in Spider-Man Homecoming, she talks about being snapped. Far from home. Far from home. She talks about being snapped. Yeah. And like, I, re- I remember they came out with that one list of a bunch of side characters where they were like Lady Sif, um, Betty, yeah, Fa- uh, Ross, yeah. Anyways, Thaddeus Ross, not Geller. The approximate <laughs> Ross, yeah, Ross Geller from Friends just shows up in the MCU. Fantastic. Um. Approximate screen time for each major character. Thanos has 29 minutes of screen time. Gamora has 19. Iron Man has 18. Thor has 14 and 30 seconds. Doctor Strange has 11 minutes. Peter Quill has 10. Vision has 10. Wanda has 9. Bruce Banner has 9. Peter Parker has 7. Steve Rogers has 7. Rocket has 6. Black Widow has 5. Drax, Mantis, Ebony Maw... Proxima Midnight, Obsidian, and Corvus all have four. T'Challa, Groot, Nebula, Okoye, and Loki, and Rhodey all have three. Uh, Atreidae, Wong, Falcon, Bucky, and Pepper and the Stonekeeper all have two. Shuri, M'Baku, Thaddeus Ross, Nick Fury, Maria Hill, Hemdall, The Collector, and Ned all have one. The fact that Thanos has the most screen time, and I think someone also did that he has the most lines, people have argued that this is, it's his movie more so. Everybody is the fucking worst. No, it's not. That's not how that works. Anyways. Oh, God. At one point in the movie, Thor, Rocket, and Groot visit a star forge, uh, a star forge called Nidaville. I can't talk. I'm having a stroke. Uh, where they meet the dwarf. Etri. 
Etri. Etri. In North mythology, Nidavellir is the home of the dwarves and one of the nine realms. The filmmakers want to show that Tony knows Nat is on the run with Steve. Vision has been in a relationship with Wanda and that he's okay with that. They wanted to make it clear that Tony has not been actively seeking to bring Steve, Natasha, Sam, and Wanda to justice. During the flash... What? I was going to say, also, I get that she did it because she was on the run. But uh, Natasha's bleached hair and eyebrows, not the best look. The eyebrows are the problem. The bleached yeah. hair. You think they would have learned after Thor 1? But it's like, I guess also if it's between, you know, looking not the best and being, you know, arrested by the UN, you take the L. She didn't need to bleach her eyebrows, though. No. Yeah, no. During the flashback of Gamora's childhood, Ebony Maw can be heard talking to the people, referring to them as... Zehoberans. This reveals Zehoberai as Gamora's home planet. There are close to 3,000 shots in this movie, with almost 2,900 of those being visual shot, visual effect shots. Wow. Yeah. Um, Robert Downey Jr. had a separate deal from his original Marvel, uh, from his Marvel Cinematic Universe co-stars when he signed on to reprise his ro- role as Tony Stark in the subsequent Iron Man films after the Avengers. His appearances in Captain America Civil War and Spider-Man Homecoming were not tied to the deal. These negotiations occurred separately after he completed his contract to do the Iron Man trilogy. Because since he was the first, his contract was a little weird. Yeah, well, I just want to say, they didn't really know what they were doing. Yeah, when they signed him on in 2008, they were like, we don't know if the universe is going to work, but regardless of that, we're going to make three Iron Man movies. So, like, hey. Yeah. And, um, like, his trilogy ended so quickly compared to the rest because two of because them happened of, in the first phase. No, I get yeah, why, yeah. Because of that. So, like, s- names of several people, things, and places in Thor's universe, the term Novalir is from the Old Norse Icelandic uh, language. It is its literal translation meaning field of ancestors. The filmmakers decided very early on to turn this movie into a smash-and-grab heist movie told from the viewpoint of the lead villain Thanos. I feel like calling it a smash-and-grab heist movie is being generous, but alright. Yeah. I wouldn't call it a heist movie. Yeah, I wouldn't call it a heist movie it's either. An organized heist movie the way, like, in Ocean's Eleven is. It's not a heist. Yeah, no. He's just like, I'm getting what I want. And I'm I don't murdering care. people for some rocks. Yeah. That's it pretty easy. It's more of a shopping movie, if anything. Yeah. <laughs> That's like, like when people were doing those stimulus check tweets, and there was that one that said, uh, my bank account, $1,200, me at the jewelry store, I need the Infinity Stones. Yeah. <laughs> just, now I just imagine Thanos walking into the jewelry Although Josh Whedon directed the first two Avengers movies, he did not return to direct either of the next two Avengers movies. Some some cast members later admitted that this was because Whedon had a difficult time directing such a close group of actors and actresses, since every creative difference he had with a single person would also often lead to a discussion with the others as well. Which I think is... Chris Hemsworth, Chris Evans, Robert Downey Jr., and Mark Ruffalo saved us from having much worse... Black Widow Black scenes, Widow that's what we got. Yeah. 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 Um, is what I take that as, to mean. This movie is based on a comic series called The Infinity Gauntlet, published in 1991, but it takes its name from a sequence comic book series called The Infinity War, 
uh, which has a sequel series called The Infinity Crusade. For a long time, that's what people thought was going to be the second, um, the name of the the fourth movie was going to be Avengers Infinity Crusade. And if they had gone with that, I would have been mad. I would have been like, Infinity War Part 2 was better. Yeah. Thanos says he was called a madman on his homeworld of Titan. In the comic books, Thanos was known as the Mad Titan. He is also referred to this name in uh, referred to by this name in Guardians of the Galaxy. There were certain drafts that spent more time on Titan before it collapsed, with more of a backstory of Thanos. But in the uh, end, the screenwriters felt this glimpse, the glimpse we get in the final product, was all that was needed. Uh, the official name of Thanos' snap is called the Decimation. It is formally defined as the killing of one of in every ten, one in every ten of a group of people as punishment for the whole group, deriving from the Romans, and is therefore not necessarily suitable for an event which in which fifty percent rather than ten percent of a group of people were killed. However, as language has developed, the word has followed fallen into a more colloquial use to merely mean the killing and destruction of a large portion of the population. Uh, the screenwriters initially struggled about where Thor's new axe would be. There were even versions of the script where it was trapped by a dragon. Okay, Shrek? Yes. Um, Wait, are you implying that Rocket would go on to fuck the dragon? Yes. No. <laughs> yes. Uh, but returning <laughs> to the model of scenes serving more than one storytelling function, the screenwriters felt that this worked as it provided a test for Thor, but it also displayed what Thanos has wrought. I need a, sh- a live-action Shrek now. Do let's... not put that into the universe. <laughs> do please I mean, do Shrek not put the that musical into exists. How far away? Are no, we no. I'm saying okay. Okay, but the, also like the Shrek musical re- is tell it, good. Re- I love the Shrek musical. That's a different Why? conversation. <laughs> to the Shrek story, but we take we got we have Thor, uh, Rocket, crew. I don't know who the dragon is, but we can say, figure it out. Smog. Benedict Cumberbatch is smog from the Hobbit. <laughs> Suddenly, the, the Hobbit universe and MCU, same universe. Um, <laughs> Shrek is an overhyped movie, is all I'm going to say. It's okay. a good movie, but the internet acts like it is the best movie ever created, and it's really not. Well, no, it's it's a memed no. movie, and then people have to be like, for the record, even though we make it a joke, it is a legitimately good movie. It's a good movie. But it's not phenomenal. Like, it's a good kids movie. Shrek 2 is fantastic. Shrek 2 is better than the original. And then all the rest of them are terrible. I just, I don't know. I think they're good for kids movies. Like, like, because as an adult, they're funny. Like, and I I like that they, they, they take all the tropes of, like, the Disney and the fairy tales and stuff. And you're like, let's make it satire. Yeah, yeah, but that's because of the guy who created DreamWorks. Okay. Like having and a bone to pick. Who cares? I also I don't think, it's think the fun. jokes are funny as an adult because it really depends on fart humor. Are you telling me the we're from the union is not fucking That right? is not in the first movie. <laughs> I've already said the second movie is better than the first. They don't uh, even have dental. 
the uh yeah the second movie is fucking hilarious as an adult the second movie i personally think the second movie is worlds better than the first one and then there's the cops reference and they plant the catnip on puss and yeah so the second movie's fucking hilarious the first movie's fine but like i don't think the jokes hold up as an adult because so much of it depends on like fart and burp jokes and at a certain point those i just think as a society we need to accept even as an adult farts are still funny but when it's every other scene, that's the main joke is that's that true. he's smelly or that he farts or that he burps. Is he's stupid. a gross person. Yeah. Yeah. Like eventually it, it gets boring. I think Donkey is the funniest part of the first movie. But okay. Anyways, so Thor is fighting the dragon. <laughs> um, but returning to the model of scenes serving more than one storytelling function, the screenwriters felt that. The Dying Stars to Forge storyline worked better as it provided a test for Thor and displayed what Thanos has wrought. The scenes between Wanda and Vision were shot on location in Edinburgh, Scotland. Edinburgh was chosen because the filmmakers wanted a romantic private place for the two of them to build their relationship that could turn scary and gothic very quickly. Which, yeah, anywhere in England is a good choice for that. Or the UK is a good choice for that. One of the shots with Wanda and Vision in the human form just have always annoyed me because like they have the it's like a dark and then the scene and then there's like the one restaurant that's very bright and just it's framed in a way where just a giant neon sign that says we will fry your kebabs it's such a prominent display that you can't miss it (laughs) and i'm like why am i focused on the kebabs because you have the attention span of a goldfish no but other people were also like composition means nothing to you there were also people i'm right they were like how many idiots are gonna look into this it's just uh that like people forget kebabs and greek food and indian food and middle eastern food is really popular in the uk and the british isles i know but it's just like i don't know imagine having a romantic scene in the background you just see billions and billions served that's not what you're looking at because that's not how screen like scene composition works i don't care what's going on in the background unless it's inaccurate like the fucking um electric battleship instructions and fucking yeah yeah you managed to get pissed off at that but the the giant neon sign they can't tell a business hey you have to turn off all of your signs and all that kind of stuff especially because like usually how they get people to approve them filming there is like oh your business will be prominently featured so people who live there are going to want to go to what was featured in the movie like that's the point um okay hold on i just googled it to find the sign and there's a tumble force where someone goes anytime i mention yeah we've been recording for two hours and i have to edit this and i have another two pages of fun facts okay i'll tell you guys this later (laughs) i love you so much but we have to keep going uh Thor stated that Odin uses his dark magic to transport him to and from Earth as the Bifrost was destroyed. Audiences now find out that the dark magic can also be used by Hemdall as he used it to transport the Hulk to Earth. Thor's journey is compared by the filmmakers to the labors of Hercules. I feel like Thor's journey is a little easier than the labors of Hercules. The labors of Hercules caused him to go insane and murder his wife true yeah but the dude's whole family died like i don't know no like he goes nuts and murders megara and doesn't become a god because of it fair um the filmmakers difficult the one just handled it better i don't know uh the filmmakers wanted to show that from this moment forward you know i mean labors of hercules like actual greek mythology not 
the labors of Hercules in the MCU, right? Yeah. I'm okay, just make, just making sure. That was a legitimate question. That was not me yeah. making fun of you. I just wanted to be sure. <laughs> um, Victoria, if you don't know, in the comics, Hercules is a character, and Hercules and Thor are best friends. Yes, yeah, you said this in one of the other episodes we did. Okay. Just wanted to make sure. Um, you remember that, but not an entire scene with the Hulkbuster? <laughs> okay look my memory has weird things that it decides to keep in there okay the inner workings of victorious minds are an enigma, an enigma. <sighs> uh the filmmakers want to show that from this moment th- forward once thanos disposed of his armor he doesn't spend much of his energy intentionally trying to murder anyone unless he or she is a direct threat to thanos's agenda itchy in one of the stupidest marketing ploys ever invented, uh, on March 1st, 2018, as North America was approaching the May 5th release of the movie, Marvel Studios announced through tweets with Robert Downey Jr. that this movie would release worldwide one week earlier. And it is so stupid. Victoria, do you remember seeing this? I don't think I saw it. So, Marvel tweeted out a, you know, two months to... Avengers Infinity War and Robert Downey Jr. responded to the tweet and went uh, May 5th's not good for me can we do the 27th and the, oh. April 27th and they responded and everybody was like this is so cool and it's like no they wanted Solo it, uh, they wanted this movie to be out long enough before Solo came out because Solo came out 20 days well, later wasn't it also supposed to come out on the 27th in other countries no no But yeah, I don't know. They wanted it. They wanted the majority of Marvel fans to have seen it and people to have seen Infinity War before Solo came out, so that Infinity War and Solo wouldn't really be competing. Yeah, I also nothing could have really saved Solo in the box office. We're not going to talk about that. Not going to talk about that. That movie is phenomenal, and people it is a good movie. Anyways, (laughs) sorry. I just think it's funny that people think that that was, like, a legit thing that happened. Like, no, they planned that. It's like the the, the Tom Holland poster 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 reveal. Yeah. It was was scripted, and it was funny that they were poking fun at him again, but, like, you couldn't have told me that, like, it was real. However, they they did give Tom Holland and Mark Ruffalo fake scripts. Which, I mean, I get after this this movie and Endgame, once Endgame came out, all the actors were like, yeah, we were told we weren't allowed to have our phones on us in, in uh, during shooting days, and we literally all broke that rule. And did not realize how, uh, the one time we all broke it, how important that scene was. Yeah. <laughs> to um, be fair, none of them posted anything preemptively, but I'm pretty sure with Endgame, almost no one got the full script. Well, you never get the full script, period. Yeah, I think the only person that got the full script for both movies and the real one was actually Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah. Um, oh, my fucking nose, dude. Um, in his fight with the Incredible Hulk, Thanos has one stone but doesn't use it. This shows that he's unbeatable in one-on-one battle even before the stones come into play. In the bottom right corner of Thanos' field, there's a brief moment where viewers can see a scarecrow made out of his armor. This is an homage to the comic books. Uh, The filmmakers use the Black Order not only to keep the movie from feeling repetitive, but to also keep the heroes from fighting Thanos until the end. Rocket Raccoon is the only character not to go face-to-face with Thanos. Every other one does. Which 
Good, because that poor tiny little raccoon would have been Thanos would have stepped, stepped on, him. on him like a. I could see him doing the thing where like you turn your foot to like, really get foot. the bug in there. Yeah, yeah. he would have been flattened like, like a, a pancake. Bug. Yeah. Uh, the decoy date for Pepper Potts and Tony Stark's marriage, August twenty seventh, is the actual date of Robert Downey Jr.'s marriage to his wife Susan Downey. Cute. As Tony takes his glasses off, they disappear slash dissolve into his hand, implying that they are also now made out of nanotech. Uh, Thanos and Loki have an off-screen relationship before Avengers, where he was in, he entrusted Loki with a duty that Loki then failed at. This is Thanos. Uh, his death is Thanos making him pay for that. Which I, like, I know they talked about it, but I forgot until it was mentioned in here. Yeah. Uh, Thanos is called Grimace by Star-Lord at one point. This is a reference to the McDonald's advertisement and McDonald Land character Hungry Grimace, who was a giant purple blob. In addition to, addition to Ronald McDonald, other characters included the Hamburglar, Mayor McCheese, and Officer Big Mac. McDonald's began phasing these characters out in uh, the early 2000s because they got sued by the creators of H.R. Puff and stuff, who they basically stole all the character designs from. If yeah. you're interested in that, I highly recommend a defunct land video about it. Anyways. Of the 24 characters visible on the main poster for this movie, 12 live and 12 die. This furthers the concept that Thanos has within the movie of bringing balance by killing half the universe. Thanos fulfills all of the promises he makes. He spares Thor in exchange for Loki giving up the Space Stone. He spares Nebula in exchange for Gamora revealing the location of the Soul Stone. He spares Tony Stark in exchange for Doctor Strange giving him the Time Stone. All three promised lives survive the snap. This is the sad one, so just, you know, get ready. In a response to a fan on Twitter, James Gunn, who is the executive producer of this movie and the director slash writer of Guardians of the Galaxy and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, revealed that Groot's last line at the end of the movie directed to Rocket Raccoon was him calling Rocket Raccoon dad. Oh, Yeah. Um... James Gunn made one original change, one change to the original script. Originally, Peter was not able to bring himself to fulfill his promise to kill Gamora if Thanos captured her. In the final movie, Peter does try to kill her, but is prevented from doing so by Thanos. The reason Peter Parker's death took so long is because his spidey senses made him realize and his uh, earlier and his accelerated healing slowed the process down. I don't know why that's kind of funny to me. They're like the whole point of accelerated healing is like that it helps you not die, and in this case, it just prolonged your death. Um, it's it funny. Wonder... Go ahead. It's funny when you like put it into words like that, but it's also like oh, very it's, sad. Oh, yeah. It's incredibly <laughs> sad and fucked up. But, yeah. uh... I wonder what would have happened to a character that had like a better regenerative healing, like Wolverine or Deadpool, hypothetically. I think they just would have been slowly turning to dust for like 24 hours. Oh, yeah, Christ. probably. Steve Rogers wields a new shield in this movie made from Wakandan vibranium and it splits apart into two arm guards. Uh, this is based on two different shields Rogers wielded in the comic books. One shield was provided by the Black Panther and the other split apart into two guards. At the beginning of the movie, Thanos can be seen with the Power Stone on the gauntlet, imply implying that he assaulted the Nova Corps on the planet Xandar to obtain it. This assault is later confirmed by Thor. 
the directors explained that they did not include a scene of uh, Thanos' journey to Xandar to retrieve the power of the stone because they felt like it was self-explanatory and would only add more time to the movie. Uh, the philosophy that Thanos follows reflects the concerns given in Mathusinium theory. According to that theory, overpopulation is the primary source of evil of conflicts and poverty due to a resource shortage. That is why the theory envisions wars, disease, earthquakes, and other events of math, death, or destruction are the only way of survival, peace, and prosperity. It's really dark. It's really dark. Yeah, yeah. Um, some shots of the trailers were digitally altered to avoid spoilers. The venue stones were removed from Thanos's glove. Uh, they did not show the destroyed Iron Man suit. And the Incredible Hulk is shown in the final uh, shot with Captain America, Black Panther, and Black Widow. But the Incredible Hulk, Incredible Hulk only fights in the beginning of the movie. That one, I think, was just a change they made last minute. No, it's not. Because they had toys of Hulk busting out of the Hulk buster. Yeah, no, it's not. He was never intended to be in this movie. Um, the final scene where Thanos is shown coming out of a hut facing the sunrise behind rice terraces was shot in the Philippines, but Josh Brolin was digitally edited into it. Good. <laughs> oh, God. Um, in the scene where Cap and Thanos get up close and personal, Thanos appears appears impressed after noticing Cap uses his last ounce of strength to prevent being grabbed by the Infinity Gauntlet as a nod to one of the issues of Infinity Gauntlet, where Cap, being among the last heroes alive, walks right up to Thanos and tells him, As long as one man stands against you, Thanos, you will never be able to claim victory. I've lived my life by those sentiments. They're well worth dying for, upon which Thanos... Anthony and Joe Russo confirmed that Valkyrie survived the attack on Thor's ship at the beginning of the movie and is off somewhere in space with the remainder of Asgard's survivors unaffected by Thanos' finger clap snap. Um, in a flashback, it is revealed that Gamora was adopted when she was a child by Thanos after a genocide he committed on her home planet. In the original comic books, she was created by Thanos using genetic engineering. Uh, the Russo brothers stated in a podcast interview that the actual reason why the Incredible Hulk refuses to come out wasn't because he was scared of Thanos, uh, but he was while he was certainly taken aback by being so easily defeated by him, but rather that the Incredible Hulk is simply tired of Bruce Banner only using him when he needs him in battle and is refusing to spite him. Yeah, I I assumed there was something. I didn't even think of the idea that he would be too scared to fight Thanos. I just was like, no, there's, like, a weird thing going on because the Hulk was, like, consumed him for, like, two years where it was just yeah. him. And, like, yeah. now it seems like he can't totally control him the way and that, that he used to. Yeah. That it depends on you as a person if you're happy where it goes. Okay. So we'll talk about that later. Okay. Uh... Doctor Strange's comment about being in the endgame refers to a point in a chess match where a large number of pieces have been sacrificed and both players are focused on checkmate. There is no mid-credit scene, nothing coming after the principal actors and actresses' names are shown at the end of the movie. Unlike most Marvel Cinematic Universe movies, this was done intentionally to present a feeling of hopelessness for the heroes and the audience in light of the tragedy for the entirety of the credits. As a contrast, the post credit scene was meant to serve as a glimmer of hope without presenting that everything would be fixed later on, even though we all kind of knew it would be fixed later on. 
cops are definitely coming to my apartment, so I'm going to try and clip through these quickly. Um, when Thanos and Gamora travel to Vormir to obtain the Soul Stone, they meet the Guardian of the Stone, which is revealed to be Johann Schmidt. It was confirmed in seven-year ongoing fan theory that the Tesseract didn't kill Schmidt at the end of Captain America, the first Avenger, but just had sent him to somewhere in space. It seems fitting, as he was consumed by the power of the Soul Stone, that in this movie he would be the guard of the Space Stone, that in this movie he would be the Guardian of the Soul Stone. However, Hugo Weaving did not reprise his role from the uh, Captain America, the first Avenger due to previous reluctance to return to the portray, portray the character and the long sessions to apply makeup as well, leading him to be replaced by Ross Marquand. Uh, when he chokes Loki to death, Thanos says no resurrections this time. This is an unlikely, uh, this is an inside joke referring to how Loki has already faked his death twice. He fell away into space in Thor only to show up again in the Avengers and he created the illusion of being stabbed in Thor the Dark World so that he could return to Asgard and dethrone Odin. However, this death is real and permanent. Thanos' mass genocide at the end affects, uh, men- affects mainly the later Avengers members like Bucky Barnes, Falcon, Spider-Man, Doctor Strange, Black Panther, and the Scarlet Witch. The original Avengers members, Iron Man, Captain America, the Incredible Hulk, Black Widow, and Thor are still alive with only Hawkeye unaccounted for as he does not appear in this movie. In contrast, all of the original members of the Guardians of the Galaxy are wiped out with the exception of Rocket and Nebula is a new member, so, you know. Uh, this movie begins and ends with a distress signal. Um, In response to an online question, executive producer James Gunn confirmed that the character Craglin from Guardians of the Galaxy and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 was spared, hinting that there are future plans for that character. This movie... Or James Gunn didn't want to kill off his brother. Probably both. Yeah. Um, because uh, uh, Sean Gunn has said before that James Gunn tends, sometimes forgets to tell him that he's going to be in certain movies and will just text him and be like, hey, you have to be on set this day. Good. There goes my vacation, brother. <laughs> okay, cool, dude. Like, this movie continues the trend of MCU characters losing arms. Wong accidentally cuts off Obsidian's left arm using a sling ring. Groot grows out his left arm and then cuts it off for the handle of Stormbreaker. Bruce Banner detaches the left arm from the Hulk Buckster suit to finish off Obsidian. T'Challa starts to disintegrate at, uh, at the right arm, and there's a noticeable gap between Drax's right arm disintegrates and the rest of his body follows. Bucky Barnes and Nick Fury both start disintegrating at the left arm, followed by the rest of their bodies. Why doesn't his arm... Does Bucky's arm just fall to the ground? No, it goes with him, doesn't it? Which is dumb. Yeah. It's not organic. It shouldn't dissolve. It's not a part of it. It's not Um, real. Unrelated, I just... Now I remember the Hulkbuster. Like, I remember that scene now all of a sudden. I'm glad. I'm good. I'm glad. (laughs) But if there was... um, Like, if had Nebula gotten snapped, do you think just all her components would have fell to the ground? No, clearly they wouldn't have, but they should have, I, I feel like if... It's not necessarily based on organic, but based on what... Because usually in sci-fi, and I don't know if Marvel has characters like these, there usually tends to be a very highly intelligent planet where people are a society, but they are not organic. They are like living AI or living robots that have made their own society. 
So like, would they have gotten spared all of them or would they have died? Like, I guess it's, if you're a, if you have pieces to you that are not organic, they still go with you. Which is dumb. By that logic, why do their clothes leave with them? That I can accept because they couldn't have just like, it would have looked dumb if a bunch of clothes fell. If his arm fell, that'd be kind of fun. <laughs> you just say that because you don't like Bucky. No, no, I don't know what you mean. I think it would have been funny. <laughs> Little um, like, Maybe they just didn't want that funny. Like, I don't know. Really, There's no way to have that arm fall without making like a little clink noise and having it come off comedic. Yeah, that's probably why. Anyways, uh, when he first meets Dr. Strange on Titan, Thanos says that after the snap, he'll finally rest and watch the sun rise on a grateful universe. The music bar that plays when he says this is also heard at the in the final scene of the movie as Thanos, having accomplished the snap, does indeed sit down to rest and watch the sunrise. That's called a let motif. Uh, at one point, Doctor Strange uses the Time Stone to look ahead and see all possible futures regarding their war with Thanos. This is undoubtedly a tactic he had learned from the Ancient One. In Doctor Strange, she had foreseen all of her own possible futures. All that led to her death and no further. All that for a drop of blood underscores the existential statement that the movie makes in that everything they throw at Thanos, which is everything they have, leads to only one drop of blood. And that is Avengers Infinity War. Yay. Um, yeah. So we'll be back next week with Endgame. Fuck yeah. Uh, which I think is going to be an even longer podcast. Probably. probably. Um, Honestly, I thought we did pretty good on this one, considering yeah. how long the movie is. Yeah. Uh, the next one, there's just, there's so much to talk about. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, you can find Jordan you can find me on Twitter at Learn Jass and you can find me on Instagram at Learn.Jass you can find Jordan my streaming channel at twitch.tv backslash Orphan Gamers and you can find us on Twitter at Orphan Gamers um, Jordan where can people find you? People can find me on Twitter at Jordan underscore Deeb and I also do another podcast youtube.com slash waypoint podcast you can also find our Twitter at twitter.com slash waypointpodcast. We've been doing a bunch of E3 reactions, so if you're a gamer, come check us out. And Victoria, where can the people find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Victoria Lyman. And everything will be linked in the description if you're too lazy to type it out. Yes, so as I said, we'll be back next week with Avengers Endgame. Until then, class dismissed. Goodbye. Bye.